You watching me glow, you watching me go I'm all in my zone, I'm holding my own I'm feeling like Bane, I'm breaking your bones I am a blur, black and a nerd So this is my own, this is my zone And this is a show you already know like My grand blur, YouTube blur Everything I do so blur Bet you wish you so blur Cosplay blur All day blur Everything I do so blur Bet you wish you so blur Bet you wish you so blur Talking about what we heard Talking about what we seen All through the eyes of a blur Everything that we do urge Flying like a super person Plus I got super friends We be teaming up early all right, welcome to Blur Vision, your window into the world of all things geek, movies, TV, and news. We talk about it, and this is, I can say it, it's two weeks in a row every week. <laughs> it's a big deal. It's your boy Jordan, a.k.a. the Blurred Vision, and I'm here once again with my best old friendo, Jeffrey Rays. A.K.A. Jeffrey Rays on social media platforms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's going on, everybody? I am Jeffrey Rosado, A.K.A. Jeffrey Rays, A.K.A. the Chrono Ranger of a Power Ranger Worthy. Yeah, bringing some grit to our podcast. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, this week uh, Crystal will not be joining us. Uh, next week she should, though. She said that she wanted to review because uh, we'll be talking about this week. He Man, Hawkeye just dropped, so the first two episodes of that we have to discuss. Part two of He Man came out on Netflix, and uh, I gave my very impassioned thoughts about that on this podcast a couple months ago. And we're doing—I mentioned it before—we're doing a uh, a He Man fan film based loosely on that same Netflix show. So I want to hear your thoughts about that. And the new series on Nef also on Netflix called Arcane, based on League of Legends. Uh, I've never played the game. I don't think you've played the game either, right? I know the name. I don't know the game. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that that's the game that all the YouTubers, like, in their in their ads at the beginning of their their uh, their videos talk about. Like, it's like a common, hey, League of Legends, sponsor me for this podcast, or sponsor me for this YouTube channel this week. And, like... I saw the game. I, I remember the name, but I didn't remember what the game looked like. But then I went back and watched gameplay. It's a strategy RPG. Really? It is. Yes, it is so. Like, I would have assumed it was like a third person like adventure. Same. Or like, yeah, but not nah, strategy RPG. Oh, wow. So I don't know what the League of Legends, if there are League of Legends game. I, I'm sure there have to be, right? League of Legends game fans. As as, as far as I know, um, I'm pretty sure that League of Legends has its own little uh, community of gamers. And um, I don't know how they probably feel about the show. But yeah, League of Legends was like. If you watch YouTube, you've got to see a League of Legends ad at least like once, you know. But it looks like a mobile game, and to go yeah. from a mobile game to and I, other than the you know those advertisements, I also knew about the epic trailers that had those amazing like original songs. Like, but those trailers do nothing to sell that game. So I'm like, if you're a League of Legends fan, I'd be so curious to know what you think of this show. Like, is it hitting all of the lore that you've always wanted to see from League of Legends but never saw in the games? Um, <laughs> but <laughs> if they feel the way that I feel about certain parts of this show, um, I can imagine that, like most fandoms, they probably don't like it. There's things I do like about the show, but there's things that, like, I don't know, I, I detest, which we'll get into later. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. <laughs> I feel like we're going to be switching off on our uh, being the hater of the podcast for our He-Man and Arcane reviews, but we'll see. But to wrap it all up, what I was saying about Crystal, she wants to review Arcane with us because she's really into fantasy. Um, but she couldn't make it this week because of scheduling. Um, but for those that... Uh, 
follow me on Instagram, I should be dropping this week a reaction video of Hawkeye episodes or Hawkeye episode one with Crystal. Um, not episode two, because again, the scheduling, our schedule's off this week, so she couldn't make it for the entire review. But she should be here next week on the podcast talking about Arcane. And she's also, just to give you guys, peel the curtain back a little bit for our, our longtime listeners, she's not like super confident in her ability to have the gift of gab. Like, you know, it's podcasting's not easy, talking at length about things is not easy, and she's never had experience in it. Um, so she's a little self conscious, and I think it'd be really. It would mean a lot to her if anybody listening um, would write in and just say if they liked uh, hearing her on the podcast last week. I mean, I did. I enjoyed talking with her, and I I think we have a natural chemistry because obviously we're together. We're, we're a couple, so yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> um, but I, I think it would be really supportive for her if people reached out and personally said that they they enjoyed her on the podcast. And I think it'd be helpful in this podcast to have a female voice since there's so many things we talk about especially with me having such an issue with strong women <laughs> <laughs> having her on the podcast kind of balance out the uh the 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 range of opinions would be helpful it's been a sausage fest in this podcast for a long time so <laughs> yeah, yeah i I, f- I feel you but uh, i was definitely looking forward to uh talking with crystal um like i said i've had a relationship with you uh for the longest time and um, I've only had like so much interaction with Crystal, um, so I was definitely looking forward to like talking with the both of you about uh, about everything. But um, I totally understand when it comes to being self conscious about your voice and um, like doing podcasts. Like I only started doing podcasts I think like last year after episode three had come out finally. And mm. then, like, I got a couple of guys uh, who hit me up, like my one friend Benjamin over on the, uh, the Comic Comedian podcast. There you go, Ben. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shout outs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, he brought me, he was like the first person who asked me, like, hey, do you want to come do a podcast interview? And I was like, yeah, sure. I've never done that before. And like, it was so cool. And like, I had so much fun doing it. And it's like, you're literally just like, you're just talking, you know? It's just like, yeah. It's just like trying not to like stir your words or like me. I'm always like self conscious if I like start stuttering or if I like, if I stop or like, or if uh, I draw a blank, I do that sometimes because I have a, I have I have a thing with ADHD. But that, but that's another story. Anyway, same. But anyways, <laughs> um, but no, I'm glad that uh, that you and I could just like uh, sit down uh, and we could just like talk about talk about movies and and television. So yeah, 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 definitely. Just like with Crystal, in my mind, it's what we already do. Just now, we're doing it with the recording. And I just want to, on that note. Thank you personally. I, I talked about it a little bit on my Instagram account. Some people reached out and like, like, what's that about? And I'm like, like Jeff's the reason why the podcast is still happening, especially Aww. this week. Yeah, because you you know, like it's it's been a struggle of passion for me um, to continue doing this. I, I think f- doing filmmaking and just my relationship with with media in general for the past couple of years, like. CW kind of like shot my my heart into oh, no. talking at length about yeah I mean it I I I stayed on that wagon for too long and I I really recognize that it did a lot of damage in my like my passion when it came to talking about things like like geek related things and doing reviews like I just I should have. When I saw the ship going down, I should have jumped off my own mental health, but I didn't. So I, there was, you could literally hear towards the end of my RCW reviews, like me being like, why am I still watching this shit? I hate it. <laughs> and that, that, that feeling trickled down into everything with the podcast. So I, it's for a long time, I just didn't feel like 
motivated or inspired the way I used to to podcast. And then on top of that, my schedule switched, so I couldn't even get a hold of my old podcast co-host Michael in the same way. Like, he's busy doing his own thing too, and we he works the night shift, I work day shift. So now it's like super difficult to ever like sync up our schedules to do anything. Um, and then rather than you know have to chase him down every week to try and do something, on top of not having any passion for for reviewing anymore, it all became too much. So having people like you in my corner being like, like pushing me to want to come back and, and, and do this thing that I used to love, like it's been really, really, uh, it's been game, a game changer. And I just wanted to say like, I appreciate you so much for being there, like being so supportive and also being available and being like open to even, you know, like f- opening your schedule enough to be able to do this. So I want to thank you and Crystal for being the reasons why the Blur Vision podcast could even continue at all in the way that it was. And hopefully moving forward, we'll start to, um, I want to get more into YouTube videos and start doing video-based content more often. So hopefully this is like stage one of a multi, multi-stage multi plan of not only bringing the podcast back, but then moving podcasts from just audio to also visual as well. So this is, thank you again for for being on the ground floor of that. I need you to stop because you're gonna make me cry. No, no tears. <laughs> no tears. There are no tears here. Oh my god. But no, seriously. Um, thank you, bro. Like straight up. Um, like when when you had st- when you started talking about it with me, um, I was like, I just, I was just like, yo, I would love to like, you know, like co-host a podcast with you. Like you're my you're my best friend, and it's like we're we're into like so many of the same things, and it's like literally when we're having conversations about stuff, it's literally like doing a podcast. It's just natural. Like we're just like we're just talking about things, and like we have our own opinions on everything. So it's like it's organic, you know. So it's like I I I always wanted to do uh, something like this. I just never had the, like the opportunity to do so. So mm. it's really cool that like you and I actually get to like sit down and like we get to talk about uh things like arcane and hawkeye and all that stuff but um yeah but yeah they, thank you so much man like i i appreciate it like <laughs> but um i I, w- I was gonna say um i totally get that uh the toll that everything takes on you uh going back to cw i really felt like my passion died with the arrow after crisis on infinite earth so it's like yo that mm. that's it it's like if steven's not gonna come back if there's no more arrow then it's like i'm out i'm, I'm checked out i tried watching the flash for a bit and like i just couldn't stay committed and like i'm so far behind in the flash but from what i keep hearing it's like it's 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 not as good as it used to be so no. I, yeah so i stopped wa- so i stopped watching the flash but then all that aside, it's like, I understand, like, what you're probably dealing with right now, considering that you literally do, like, everything for Unworthy Productions. Like, I don't know if you guys yeah. know, Jordan literally does everything. He is the unsung hero of Unworthy. <laughs> he is the writer. He is the director. He's the prop maker. And he literally is the guy who gets everyone together for the shoot day, you know? And if something goes wrong, like, he's the first one to, yeah. s- to stress out about it. So, thank you for everything that you do for for us man seriously oh man thank you so much i appreciate no that. problem yeah, and we, I, I definitely do want to do a unworthy four commentary track with you and crystal hell that's yeah something in the cards too yeah hell yeah but yeah that's yeah i don't even think about that as a drain but yeah a lot of my creative energy like the creative energy i used to have for podcasting and memes and all that day-to-day stuff in blur vision 
all that energy now goes to unworthy and it's like you know energy is finite like it's not like i have infinite energy right so when i wonder like why is it i lost all my passion for blurred vision i'm like it's because i've invested all of that energy into unworthy so if you're not following worthy productions and you're a fan of blurred vision you low-key hate me right? <laughs> <laughs> this man literally stays up till 3 a.m making the chocolate pudding of unworthy you have no idea oh my god the editing process of episode four was so and you were there you saw i saw i know everything i saw there, everything yeah there's so much that went into that process it, it was so many headaches but yes and on that note actually before we jump into topics for this week of the podcast you mentioned to me that we should do a plug since it's cyber monday yes past black friday weekend yes we do have unworthy sales we have uh unworthy club merch yes if you want to talk about that a little bit since th- those are your babies yes 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 guys so yes it is cyber monday um and if you haven't checked it out yet please go check out our unworthy club merch store we have all kinds of new merchandise um we have t-shirts we have all kinds of apparel for not just for men but for women and for children so if you want to look for gifts uh for the kids your brother your sister whoever uh please go check out our merch website um everything is currently on sale right now we have uh, designs from the 218 Rangers to uh, the new Time Force Gold and Silver Rangers, uh, the Chrono Ranger, and we are going to be having five new t-shirts coming out this December, uh, just in time for the holidays. So please go check out Unworthy Merch Store at Threadless.com. All the shirts designs are made by myself, The Art of Rays, uh, and please go check out The Art of Rage Merch Store as well, where I have alternate designs uh, over on my other merch store. Yeah, I'm not a big wrestling fan, but a lot of wrestling fans have reached out being like, Bullet Club plus Power Rangers is fucking sick. I love this. It's my, it's my, it's my, uh, it's my love, my, my thought child, my love child. Um, cause like a, a, long, a long time ago, uh, me and a group of friends, when we were in a Ranger group together, we had made a group, uh, that was dedicated to the Thunder Rangers. And it turns out that, uh, me and my other three admins, we were all into the Bullet Club and we'd always be like, too sweet, too sweet. And then, uh, I came. <laughs> up with the idea like yo what if we made like uh bullet club styled shirts for the for the for the page and um basically uh there was some political shenanigans going on with that group and eventually i left i went to go do my own thing and then mm-hmm. i started making my own line of um on worth uh ranger club shirts and i've been doing it for years uh and like it's a real hit with a lot of the fans because it turns out a lot of power ranger fans are also wrestling fans so like a lot of them like look at the shirts and they're like yo dude those are dope and i'm like yeah man please please uh everyone straight up whenever i see anyone uh wearing the shirts that i designed it like it just it just fills my heart and when someone tells me like yo these are dope or like when someone like messages me uh that they got the shirts man it's like it, 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 it's a really like fulfilling feeling when you get to see that so i may i def, i am so glad that i was able to collaborate with you and i was actually able to make some stuff uh for unworthy and now we even got like an official merch store so it, it, it I've come a long way since when I first got started with uh with those with those designs and I'm really happy that uh it, everyone's uh everyone's taking them in the way that they yeah, are. Yeah. I I like it and the I think it, it speaks volumes of just the 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 design and the quality that I as it, like I said I don't I don't know anything about wrestling. So I, Bullet Club was not even something that I knew about. But just the fact like I think it's the iconography of it still works. It's cool design and I like the concept of you're by purchasing one of these shirts, you're literally helping support the show because all the proceeds go back to reinvesting in the the insane back end it takes to make 
uh, a single episode of Unworthy happened. Yes. But it's, yeah, so like, but uh, the fact that it's Unworthy Club, you're joining the club yes. Unworthy by purchasing these shirts. That's why I, I dig it a lot. And right now they're on sale. They're, they were like 20 usually, but they're on sale for like $12 right now yes. until until Tuesday. All, so, all regular t-shirts are $12 and then everything else is about 10% off. Yeah, 10 to 30, right? Because even the posters like up to 30, right? Um, I think I'm not sure because like a lot of the other shops on Threadless, they all get their own discounts. Like when I went onto the, the site itself, it said 30% off site wide, but I don't think it applied to like our site specifically because like we get notifications about uh, our current promotions going on in our shop. And I like to check the shop itself to see like what are they selling at right now. So all, currently all of our regular t-shirts are $12 and then everything else is 10% off. If you find another deal, that's on you. Also, if you want uh, unworthy production or Power Rangers unworthy figures, we were collaborating with Tim Bree 3D and M4 Mighty. They're doing an amazing job at doing fully articulated custom Power Rangers unworthy figures from the Arbor, First Ranger, Gold Ranger, Chrono Ranger, uh, the Green Ranger, and I think the Terra Dragon Ranger, so the Pink Ranger with the Green Ranger shield. But not only does it come with a fully custom, custom painted, articulated figure, that looks amazing. We have pictures on the web on uh, the Instagram page, but we also uh, it also comes like boxed in this amazing art that Informati did. So it looks like an official Lightning Collection Power Rangers figure, but foreign worthy. And it's just so dope. It's, it's a, you know it's a little bit on the pricey side, one twenty five. But think of it as a collector's item. And honestly, for for what I know, it costs to make those things. That's a really good price because the the profit margin on that is very low. It's really more for fans to you know enjoy and have like a cool unworthy collector's item i'm probably gonna get one myself mm -hmm. fucking dope yeah, yeah, yeah totally i was gonna say i totally did not expect us to actually have like figures out like you kept that you even kept that secret from me i had like no idea and um when i heard that like that uh unworthy and uh tim tim timbery 3d and freaking uh, m4 money like were collaborating to make these figures i was like no way they're actually fucking doing it but guys um if $125 price point scares you, it's understandable, but you also have to take into consideration that it's a custom box job, it's a custom action figure with with paint, um... And fully posable. Fu fully, <laughs> fully, pos fully posable, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, like er er and accessories. Any anyone who gets custom figures done, they know that they gotta have. They're gonna have to pay a pretty penny for so for a very for something specific like that. So um. Yeah, if you're able to afford it, please buy the figures. And if you're not, that's okay too. Yeah. And on that note of branding, let's talk about uh, the first two episodes of Hawkeye, because that was actually a point of conversation between Kate Bishop and uh, Clint Barton, which I thought was hilarious. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Let me. Uh, so let's. I'm going to say right off the bat, dude, um, I love uh, Haley Steinfeld, and I'm so glad that she actually was, uh, that she got to ca play Kate Bishop. Um, I loved Haley since back when I saw the Bumblebee movie, because uh, I honestly believe that the Bumblebee movie is the movie that is... Oh my God, that yeah. was her in that? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know faces. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. That was Haley. That was Haley. Um, so she plays a good, like, secondary character to a, a, a title character. Yes, yes. <laughs> but she killed it though she really does and like freaking i i like her so much more than like the past straight up you we've had five transformers movies and then bumblebee came out and it taught us all to love again and like Haley steinfeld i think was uh one of the 
reasons why that movie was so good. Um, I'm about to say, I'm like, I hear you, but I think just because Michael Bay wasn't a part of it. Yeah, I, part. yeah <laughs> there's that too. There's that yeah. too. That, I can't I can't argue with that. That and um, the, the Bumblebee movie actually felt like it was made with like tender love and care. But we're not talking about Bumblebee. We're talking about Hawkeye. Yeah. Anyways. So let's jump. Yes. So let's jump right into Hawkeye and I'm dropping it here. Can I speak to your manager? Didn't realize we were supposed to bring guns. It's almost Christmas. I can't go home until I fix this. Should we be worried? I'll be home for Christmas. I promise. Santa, we're out of regular arrows. Oh my God, trick arrows? We're saving the holidays. And for those that don't know our ratings to be here on Blur Vision, I will drop it here. We here at Blurred Vision have a very simple rating system. It goes from poor vision to perfect vision. In the middle, there's passable. And then you have less than passable and more than passable. Uh, thank you, Catapon. Catchapon. Wow, it's been so long I forgot how to pronounce your name. <laughs> it's the girl that reads our ratings. Oh. And you do remember our ratings this week, right? I'm not going to be dealing with no 3.75s and shit. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's, let, let's go over it so that with the audience, uh, so I can keep up and so the audience can keep up. Now, I know there's passable, very passable, and perfect vision. Now, I forget what one and two is. Well, you were two-thirds right. There two-thirds. is no very passable, you oh. son of a bitch. <laughs> Sorry! I know so there's a from, middle ground somewhere. Yeah. So from the bottom tier to top tier, it goes uh, poor vision is the bottom, less than passable, passable, more than passable, and at the tippy top, we got perfect vision. Okay, I'm mistaken more than passable with very passable. So, for, yes. for, <laughs> so forgive, my, forgive my ignorance. <laughs> you are forgiven. <laughs> All right, but yeah, so Hawkeye, this is what, the... F- fourth mcu show we had wandavision captain america and the winter soldier loki so this is the fourth right am i missing one i feel like we're missing one honestly oh what if yeah so this is the yeah fifth. what this if is the fifth what if kind of counts and more of an anthology than a straight series but i'll count it yes as an mcu original yes um uh, <laughs> i haven't we haven't talked about all of those things on this podcast. Uh, we did WandaVision and Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Uh, we f- and Loki. We fell off during What If. Mm. Um, so it's been documented that my opinions of these series has has fluctuated. Some have been better than others. I've I've started off strong with some of them, and by the end, I've become more jaded, a little bit less uh, enthusiastic about them. I uh, right off the back and named Loki as one of those. I, I remember saying that the first episode of Loki probably intrigued me the most as a single episode of any of the MCU shows, but by the end of Loki, I probably liked it the least. <laughs> so, whatever our review is for these first two episodes, that is no guarantee that my opinion will, will stay the same by the time we get to the end. And, and like Loki, this is a six-part... Oh, are we going to say? I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. I was going to say, I got a feeling that this one might actually, like, it'll it'll be a little bit more satisfying by the end. That's all I was going to say. Because, like, there's a lot of, okay. like, there's a lot of whispers. There's a lot of rumors going around the fandom right now about who uh, the big bad of Hawkeye might be. And I'm hoping it is who I think... 
Uh, it is Cody Cody. I'm curious who you think that is, because that's actually one of my questions I had. I'm like, who's the villain here? Yeah, is yeah, it yeah. the, the mustachio stepdad? or is it? <laughs> um, There's a rumor going around that he might actually be a red herring. Oh, thank God. I, yeah. That's literally what I was hoping. Wait, before we get into the episode itself and spoilers, just give our general thoughts, non-spoilers, give our ratings, and then break it open with spoilers. Word. Let's try and keep it short. I want to start to try and keep the podcast two hours <laughs> rather than our usual three hours. Was it three um, hours last time? Yeah, but that's it's it's not the same because it was like a thing where I did basically Ghostbusters twice with you and Crystal. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Extended episode. Right. But um, yeah, just give our brief uh, summary of our thoughts about the first two episodes, and then we'll jump into spoilers. Uh, let's start with you. What did you think about the first two episodes of Hawkeye? I enjoyed it. I honestly very okay. much I very much enjoyed it. Um, it was like Thanksgiving weekend, and Hawkeye had just come out, and I wanted, I very much wanted to watch it. Um, Clint, I feel like he's very underrated. And I was mm. and I was like really happy that he actually got to get like his own show. And I was honestly worried uh, that they were gonna ha- they were gonna pick on him like he was gonna be like the unsung event joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you remember butt of a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like remember uh, Cobra Kai season one? How like they played down Johnny and like he mm-hmm. he was basically made like a joke after freaking um everything that happened in the first Karate Kid. Basically, I yeah. thought that's I thought that was what was gonna happen with Hawkeye, and he was gonna be like the unsung hero and that. Like he really wasn't gonna like get the respect that he deserved, but it turns mm. turns out it was complete opposite. And Clint actually does get recognition, and he does get the respect that he deserves for everything that he's done for New York City and for the people. And everyone respects him. Everyone wants to like take selfies with him in the most awkward of places, mind you. But <laughs> oh, the the bathroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and uh, and but then um, I remember I saw the one moment. Well, we were talking about uh, where there's cosplayers out in the streets of New York and like they're all dressed up as Avengers. And then uh, they see one archer and ha- and Haley goes and points at her saying like, oh, hey, that's you. Like, no, that's Katniss Amberty. And I was like, oh, no. But <laughs> yeah, when- Hunger Games up here. Oh, Hawkeye down here. <laughs> that is a damn. Sh- no, no, that is a damn shame. Um <laughs> Because <laughs> I because I was gonna say um, that's the direction I thought that they were gonna go in with this show, but I'm glad I was wrong, and I'm glad that they actually took it in the opposite direction. Because then, because mm. then, uh, um, no, no spoilers yet. This is general idea, but yeah, um, general. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but for the most part, I definitely liked the way that this show is going so far. Um, okay. and it's sh- and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I got nothing but good things to say about it when we get into spoilers. Okay, what what's your rating? Uh. Uh, more than passable more than passable okay um to kind of touch on what you said in your review about thinking that hawkeye was gonna be the butt of every joke he was a little bit but just insofar as it it i felt like it was a meta commentary on how the world views hawkeye in our world like we all he was already the butt of every joke when it comes to our world where every Avengers skit is like I remember when SNL was like, Oh, Hulk Smash and Thor Lightning, what do you do, Hawkeye? I, I shoot arrows, like yeah. like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they played into that a little bit with things like that 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 Katniss Everdeen joke and the branding joke that they made. Oh yeah, you um, know what? I'm I'm remembering now. They actually um so I don't. This is a minor spoiler. Uh, the uh, the whole Avengers musical bit 
Uh, I love that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say, so they were obviously parodying Hamilton because even like the Broadway poster, like they used... You thought it was Hamilton? I thought it was more of a, a reference to the Spider-Man musical that they actually did come out with. No. Turn Off the Dark? No. You think it was Hamilton? It, no, bro, straight up. I watched uh, some behind the scenes stuff and it turns out they actually did the whole thing with Rogers. It's all based off of Hamilton. They all did it. Actually, now that you say yeah, that, the yeah. fact that the name is Rogers yeah. Hamilton, that yeah, makes sense. exactly. Wow, fuck that real life Spider-Man musical that was a real thing <laughs> like, like, oh, we're not gonna talk about that i was like how can you not see that bro you're like the ultimate hamilton advocate and i was gonna say they even even the branding if you look at the rogers poster freaking like they use black and yellow uh for the broadway poster just like hamilton so yeah That's deep yeah, yeah, wow. straight up, deep cuts, man. Yeah, so like the whole Rogers musical that was inspired uh, by by Hamilton when they went the, when they went to go and see it. I'll say this: that Rogers song didn't do it for me. It did not do it for me like all the Hamilton musical songs did. <laughs> of course not, because they're making step up your game, Rogers. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I can do this all day. That's all. I've, no, no. <laughs> that's all I've heard. That's all I've heard on social media for like the past like week is that freaking oh, wow. uh, is that Hamilton musical, but. Yeah, and it's like Haw- Hawkeye didn't even get to really like, uh, but you know what? I uh, now I'm starting to see that they did go in that they they take jabs at Hawkeye a little bit, but not so much that I'm like, yo, bro, stop fucking with my boy. <laughs> no, there's a world in which they had they could have done it, but in the way you described it, which would have been he's the butt of every joke. Yeah. he's like uh, he's the like you said the giant Lawrence of Hawkeye. Yeah, where he's like. You know he's over the hill. Your time is over, old man. Like you're 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 a laughing stock even in the MCU, but he's not. They they reference it a little bit with like there are people that are bigger than him in the MCU. Obviously, he's not a god. But I like that they even put it in uh, Kate Bishop's mouth that she says like, no, it's just because you're so low key in real life that translates to how people view you in our world. And it's like. I liked him being kind of like the Grinch of Christmas Past or whatever. Like he 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 was like a jaded, cynical man but jeremy renner is that like his his vibe is that so it played perfectly into what i think his his real life character kind of is like he he plays the best moments in these first two episodes is whenever he's not in his element so like there's a i'm not gonna go into it but the the larping section hilarious oh my My god favorite segment of the entire first two episodes was that dude um but when it comes to like the 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 story itself uh we we touched on the stepfather maybe being a red herring and i hope that's the case because right now i'm like who's the villain the guy that's the stepdad like isn't that that's very convenient and it's very like very clean like oh yeah the guy that he's he's stepping into my life uh into my father's shoes and i don't like him on kate bishop's side like that also is our main villain for the series it's very it's 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 too simple it's It's too too, easy it's too too easy it's too easy yeah it's just and, then, and also, he doesn't he doesn't come off like I, he might. There's a moment where they do some fencing where he has a like he obviously has some skill, and I know he is based on a villain from the comics. Yes, but he looks so cartoony. And right now, the other than him just being, you're not my real dad. That's kind of like the main like crux of why we're not supposed to like him. And right now, it's not doing it for me. Mm-mm. So my question coming out of this first two episodes was like, wait, so who's the main villain? Is it going to be this random chick that they that they show at the very end of episode two? No. Or is it going to be this guy who seems like the red herring? I don't know. Um, but what I am enjoying is just seeing Hawkeye on this journey of just trying to be... Like, it's, a, it's an extension we've already seen from him, from Age of Ultron and Endgame. Trying to be a family man and trying to do right by his kids. Yes. Um, 
The only thing I think keeping this from perfect in these first two episodes for me is the fact that I don't think within these first two episodes, one, by the end of that second episode, I swore that they were going to do something to truly hook me to, to be interested in seeing where this is going. Like something like, oh, that's the, the game changer element. But when it ends on that weird cliffhanger of just showing a woman they had never introduced before, I'm just like, eh. And then the same thing for Hawkeye and his motivations. I, I don't feel like... Other than just he's a family man and I want to see him do right by his family, there weren't many moments, especially in that first episode. It was almost nothing of Hawkeye in that first episode that that made me really care about him and his relationship with his family. I was hoping that they would do more within this series to make me go like, ah, I want to see him do right by these kids by the end. I, I almost feel like it's coasting off of the scenes that we've seen of Hawkeye with his family in Age of Ultron and Endgame more so than what we've seen in this show. But... You know, if if you that's a complaint for me, but I could see people not having an issue with that just because in some people's minds, the MCU is just one long TV show. So even though that might, that stuff might not be in the series, it's still part of Hawkeye's character. So you can't hold it against the series that they didn't retread that ground. Um, but for me, it there's no through line strong enough so far that makes me go like, oh, this is going to be crazy. This is going to be the best MCU series yet. Right now, it's just it's good. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, I call it like popcorn uh, entertainment where it's like, it's good in the moment, but I need to see how it develops in the next four episodes to know if it's going to be something that sticks to the landing. It's, it's got a great, it's got a good start mm-hmm. with likable characters like uh, Kate Bishop, I think is likable. Yes. They didn't do the thing in the, in the, um, in the trailers. I was scared they're going to do that thing where it's a it's trend in Hollywood. And we're going to talk about that trend. I think in He-Man and Arcane to an extent, but making strong woman uh, for no yeah. other reason than being a strong woman. Oh, <laughs> but, um, uh. but in this, like there's that line in the trailer where it's like, some say I'm the best marksman ever. And I'm like, Oh no, this girl, this little girl out of nowhere is going to be a, a, a marksman as good or better than Hawkeye. That's my fear. But then seeing it play out in the first two episodes, I'm like, Oh no, she literally was just saying that about herself as like, a, yeah, I, I'm a pretty good archer. He's like, no, you're not. <laughs> And even seeing her in action, you do very much get the the impression that, yeah, she's got some skills, and they did a good job of showing her develop those skills in the 10-year gap. Also, another, another thing, very strong intro for this series. Mm. But in that 10-year gap, or not 10 years, whatever, yeah, 10 years, about, about 9 to 10-year gap in the, um, in the intro credits that show her training, they show that she's got some skill, but she's still got a long way to go to be on the level of someone like Hawkeye. And they even show that at the end of the first episode. Well, so yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. But but I I think by this point, I I get the pass of being afraid when it comes to Hollywood's treatment of strong women leads because they, they almost always fuck it up and make it feel forced and unnatural. But to Hawkeye's credit, so far, I don't feel like Kate Bishop is that. And I feel like Kate Bishop is charismatic and I like, I want to see where she goes as a character. My one fear is that that villain with his very with the very weak motivation for why she doesn't like him is going to be the the main crux of the series. I hope it isn't, but that's just where my head is right now. But to wrap it all up, I agree with you. I think I'd give it a more than passable. Not mm. quite perfect, but we can see where that goes 
as the story progresses in the next four episodes. Definitely. And like one of the pluses that I have to give this show is that, um, see, I, I never read the Hawkeye comics, but I know a lot of people who have read the Hawkeye comics. Me neither. <laughs> and um, I was going to say, like, a lot of my friends are actually really happy with the thing, the choices that they're making with the show, because a lot of it actually is very uh, comic book oriented, which is why I think like uh, the first two episodes have been kind of slow uh, is because like they've been doing a lot of comic book stuff uh, in the show so far. Like uh, the uh, the tracks, the tracks tracksuit gang they're from the, the tracksuit mafia yeah, yeah the, the tracksuit mafia they are from the comic books and um they they do always say bro they literally say bro and like oh they do yeah that was literally a question yeah. i had in my reaction video i'm like i love i love accents yeah so them saying hey bro hey bro yeah. like you she is not bro he is bro yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. that's I, actually that's I, I really actually from it. the comic books um okay. at, they at, feel at, like comic book characters yeah, yeah yeah as well as um clint's here clint's hearing aid him having hearing a uh, hearing uh deficit is also from the comic books the the dog eating pizza pizza dog is also from the comic books so so far we're only two episodes in and it's been very uh comic, comic book oriented this entire show the only mi- the only minor difference between this and the comic books is that instead of um her mom passing away her dad passed away which makes me think oh okay yeah, yeah so yeah. her mom died in the comics yes her mom died in the comics mm. so um i'm very curious to see like if her mom is going to play a bigger a bigger role uh, eventually down the line but in terms of Jack, in terms of Jack, in the comic books, Jack is actually a character known as the Swordsman, which is why... This is Jack the mustache twirling, yes, yes. literally mustache twirling villain. Okay. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's like, and you know what? Um, it's one of the one of the things that I find relatable about Kate, because I grew up with a stepdad that, you know, I semi-had, like, my, my issues with throughout the years. Same. Yeah, yeah, Same. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... So I can definitely see why she she I, I understand her feelings and her conviction about Jack and um, clearly Jack's being very shady. But um, I've heard a lot of people saying that like I everyone, some people think that Jack's actually just a red herring and that he's not the big bad. He's the man next to the man. And there's a couple of theories about who it could possibly be. And the biggest indicator of who it could be by the end of the series is uh, the woman that we see at the end of episode two. And then uh, the woman that we see at, episode, at the end of episode two is actually Echo. And Echo is actually connected, ready for this, to the Kingpin. Mm. Yes. Oh, that's why everybody's talking about possibly Vincent yes. D'Onofrio showing up yes. by the end of this. There are- I would rather kingpin show up out of the blue and be the main villain than the mustache trolley man (laughs) (laughs) it's it's too easy and like it's really really obvious because it's like if you pay attention if you pay close enough attention to what's going on it's very um it's very it's very easy to point the finger at jack and that he is behind everything uh oh yeah um it's very easy it's very convenient yeah 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 because like um are we getting into spoilers now? Because I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, full spoilers. Uh, okay, so Armand III, who's actually a family friend of um, of Kate's mom and uh, and uh, knew Kate when she was a kid. Um, do you know who he actually is, the actor? Do you remember who the actor is who played Armand III? Uh, is that the older guy? Yes. No, I don't. Who is he? Um, you'll recognize him from the Street, the street Fighter, the movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> who, who is he? Who is he? Colonel Guile! Colonel Guile, these instructions. That. Oh, that, wow. That okay. <laughs> not only that, not only that, but uh, 
Very good, Mr. Ventura. Very good. Uh, he was from East Oh, wow. Yeah. He's from East Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. Now I remember his he's face. From Ace, wow. he, yeah, he's from East Ventura, part two. And he was also in Fan of the Opera. So, yeah, those are his filmography credits, as far as I know. So he's okay. been, so he, and everyone I know is like, yo, this guy's like really familiar. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. But anyways, so yeah, he di- he dies um tor- towards the end of uh, episode one. And yeah. clearly he was- Murdered. Murdered. <laughs> you and your kids and your murder. <laughs> But um, he was stabbed, and uh, it's easy to assume that Armand, uh, or no, um, Jack probably killed Armand. Yeah, because- that's like the obvious, like, who done it? Well, yes. obviously, it was the stepdad, who I already don't trust. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, if you're like me, you love a, uh, I love a good murder mystery, you know? Mm. So to point the finger at Jack, it's very easy to assume so, because he's literally leaving you all the little, uh, the uh, the paper trail. He's leaving you. Yeah. The, the, he's leaving you. The- he's got a punchable face. I hope he's not even a villain at all. I know he's a villain in the comics, but I don't want him to be a villain at all. I want it to be like a, a misunderstanding of like, oh, I, I thought it was you. Like, no, why would you assume that? Because my mustache? Like- <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, uh, but time will tell if Jack plays uh, a, b- a bigger role or not. But yeah, basically, um, so it turns out that, uh, and then uh, the tracksuit gang, the tracksuit gang is being run by Echo right now, apparently. And like I said, Echo has ties to the Kingpin in the comic books, mm. which is one of the reasons why uh, Kingpin is being speculated to appear in the Hawkeye series. Not only that, but he's even being speculated to be the secret sixth member of the Sinister Six in uh, Spider-Man uh, for, uh, No Way Home. Mm, I don't know if I believe that. That's a, that's a stretch. That'd be I, so random. I, I was like, oh, yeah, by the way, he this is the others. In a world where we're doing all multiversal stuff and we're dealing with specific Spider-Man villains let's pull in this guy that was a daredevil villain let's just <laughs> like, hey hey, hey I, I, it's not it's not far-fetched out of me it's not out of the fucking norm because like in the old spider-man animated series kingpin was very much a presence in the old uh spider-man animated series so to have vincent d'onofrio come in as like the sixth member of the sinister six and he was involved with the sinister six that would not be out of the norm for me if vincent D'Onofrio. oh i hear you yeah i yeah. mean he was even the main villain in the spider-verse and it was just kind of based off of yeah him. so it's like i i get the the the, the connection there yeah but i I just couldn't see like them actually doing that. Just in a world where they're specifically marketing this for old Spider-Man head fans, like from the Raimi and Amazing Spider-Man eras, it'd be so random left field to be like, and also Daredevil. Like, wait, what? <laughs> Though I also heard rumors that Charlie Cox was supposed to be the lawyer. So if he's in it, maybe rumor has it. Ooh, yeah, rumor has it. But let's let's back it up a little bit. I, yes. I, the 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 tracksuit mafia is very cartoony. I like them just in terms of like their their jovial nature, like the levity they bring to the show. But they are. I'm not gonna say it's tonal whiplash, but they are. You they feel like comic book characters. Same thing with the mustache guy. Like he's like, oh yeah, definitely a comic. Like they just it's kind of campy, cartoony almost. Well, you know what? Um, well, you know what? It's Marvel. It's Disney. So, yeah, so, yeah, for sure. So this is what I'm gonna say about uh, Hawkeye. This very much fills a void in uh, in my life where. Uh, uh, Arrow was initially mm. because they're obviously they're both Archer shows, but Arrow was very much more dark and it, like it took itself very seriously. Hawkeye is like the opposite of that. It's a little bit, it's a lot more levity, it's a lot more lighthearted, which is what I can appreciate. <laughs> well, you're talking about early Arrow. Yeah. If, you, if you kept watching Arrow, it, uh, it became even more goofy than this. So. <laughs> debatable. But, but speaking debatable. about. Nah! Debatable! <laughs> debatable! Nah! Debatable! Nah! <laughs> it got goofy, goofy. <laughs> um, but talking about Arrow, I think it's a great uh, thing to bring up just because the fact that Kate Bishop 
her superpower, forget the the training and the and the archery. Her superpower is being rich, just yeah. like <laughs> yeah. Queen. yeah. Something about holding a bow and arrow, you have to have money to back that up. Otherwise, you're just a person with like an archery hobby. You gotta have money to be a superhero if your if your superpower is archery. You know what I'm saying? I love um, I love that her mom actually called her out on that. It was so meta when she when she was like. Um, Rich, pe- rich people think that they're invincible, and then I forget what that. And, and young people think they're and invincible. Young and you're they're both, invincible. Yes, so yes. of course, and that's like a very like like hand waving excuse for why there were moments in the first episode that I was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, like 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 when she steals Ronan's suit and puts it on and starts fighting the tracksuit mafia. But I'm like. To save people she didn't even like. She was there to spy on the 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 mustachio man and her <laughs> and his father because she didn't like them and suspected them a foul play. But meanwhile, as soon as they're being attacked, she's like, Well, better super her up and just do this shit. It's like, wait, 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 wait. I get it. You're re- we've established you're reckless, but wow, really? You're just gonna just just wing being a vigilante like that? It it didn't feel like a strong enough reason initially to just start superheroing, but I went with it. But to, to dial it back, I want to talk about the beginning of the episode, of episode one. Because I think that was a very strong, almost a Zack, Zack Snyder-esque take on the Avengers 1 sequence where the Avengers are fighting Jatari in the city. It felt like uh, BVS with Bruce Wayne watching Superman and Zod destroy Metropolis. And I'm like, what a dope entry point into this character. Like In terms of how the series started... Definitely one of the best first episode introductions to a character. Like that was that was pitch perfect. Mm. As a writer, I saw the writing on the wall that the dad was not going to survive because, as you know, good fathers can never survive anything when it comes to a story. So as soon no. as he was like, like they were like, the mom and the the fathers, like obviously they were on the outs. But as soon as you could tell he was a loving and caring caring parental figure to the daughter to to Kate, a young Kate, mm. I was like dead. <laughs> fucking dead and then what happens he dies off screen so i'm like is he really dead because if you don't see a body no usually i don't think he's dead because we didn't see a body so like i have a serious suspicion that he could possibly be alive you think he's the main villain oh god that'd be nuts that'd be i mean that would be a more heartbreaking revelation than mustachio man yeah yeah, yeah. i was gonna say technically he was in debt they were talking about how they were both uh in debt so i really wouldn't be surprised if somehow the dad comes back this season or maybe even next season just to be like random like shot in the dark who knows but um yeah could he have faked his death to get out of his debt and then found his way into the mafia (gasps) i don't know (laughs) Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, <laughs> I really like sh- straight up. It could there, there could be a twist that freaking um, Kate's dad and Jack mm. work for the fucking kingpin. I kind of I'm kind of starting to believe that right. Possible. Now. Yeah. But what do you think about that introduction with the uh, uh, Zack Snyder Avenger scene? That was dope. Honestly, like it was so seamless. It was very much uh, seamless, and it really sh- I love that. Uh, that view, that the the perspective of a child, uh, seeing mm. seeing uh, her superhero doing his thing in the way that like straight straight up when Hawkeye jumps off the building 
in that first Avengers movie. That's so freaking iconic. And then when you actually get to see it from that angle, from the perspective of a child. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was, it's like, oh, I would also be a fan of Hawkeye if I saw that shit. Seriously. <laughs> so it's like, yo, it's like that. That's the inspiration. That's what triggers this little girl to want to uh, be better than herself. And eventually she becomes uh, the badass that she currently is today. And uh, now <laughs> I like that. They're making her earn her place with Hawkeye because it's like Hawkeye is just mm. like uh, we get to episode uh, two and she and mm. Hawkeye is basically like trying to like get Kate out of her mess that she's created and um, yeah. and basically she he, she's now tarnished uh, the Ronin and now uh, all of uh, Clint's old enemies are now looking for the Ronin and goodness knows how far that network goes so who knows who we're gonna see uh, in in this series because like as far as I know there's so many organ- organizations that the Ronin pissed off when uh, mm. when Clint was Hawkeye. Um, the Ten Rings possibly being one of them. Uh, so, yeah. so we we might be seeing uh, the ten the Ten Rings at some point in this series, which would be really cool. Along with um, I can't say her name, freaking uh, Sh- Sh- Chung Lee's sister, who now currently, oh. yeah, 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 who now currently, yeah. yeah, 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 who now currently runs the Ten Rings. So she could possibly be making an appearance in there. Um, well, I know for a fact the girl from the end of Black Widow, Black Widow's sisters probably gonna be making an appearance yes on that post-credit scene yes yes definitely there's also that not sure how that's gonna factor in yeah um yeah i mean that that'd be that'd be pretty cool too so i, I yeah. but yeah but there's what you're saying with a uh, hawkeye or, or kate bishop having to earn her place with hawkeye i did like the it's yeah it's like it's a year one batman meeting robin for the first time yes and it's like i don't need you but you know it's it's that 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 gruff mentor figure like relationship with a energetic enthusiastic fanboy character I, I love those pairings yes so just to see like their their interactions is what made that second episode i for me at least i like i like that like her trying to chip away at hawkeye's very uh gruff exterior but then we know underneath that like very like you know rigid outside shell he's got the warm gooey love of a father and he's he's really just trying to get back to his kids it's like i i didn't need this shit in my life right now this girl put on my old ninja suit which i also love it's like literally a metaphor for his past catching up with him there's been an issue i think in mcu shows and movies or whatever uh with consequences for people's actions like wanda took control of a whole town but by the end of it she didn't have to pay for anything it's just like hey she flies away i mean they can't do shit to her anyway but it was just weird and uh we, we talked about in the podcast before of like monica rambeau being like they have no idea what you sacrificed for them it's like bitch you brainwash us for like a month against our will like i don't give a fuck what you had to sacrifice for us <laughs> we sacrificed for you oh my God, I can't. but so here i like the fact that you know Hawkeye going on a killing spree in the during the Infinity War or post Infinity War time gap that doesn't just go away. Debt, he made, debts must yeah, be paid. Yeah, he made a lot of enemies just murdering people. Yes. So putting that like that seeing that suit again even feels like he's looking at his old self. They haven't really gone into it yet. And I hope I hope they do. I hope they talk about his conflicted nature with that costume and what he was doing at that time in his life because they do even had that great moment in the, the, the Rogers play where he's looking at um, the, the person that plays Nat and it's kind of like zones out and everything gets quiet. 
I'm like, oh, it's because he's literally having like like Vietnam flashbacks of the Vincent Endgame watching that. Well, that so I hope it well that back. and all, it was all, uh, that and it was also quiet because of his hearing aid. He actually does have a hearing aid, so like, yeah, 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 yeah. it was definitely both. We could yeah, see yeah, his yeah. eyes, like yeah, yeah, he's yeah. watching her. Um, I also like that the fact that like I don't know in the comics if it was natural hearing loss or if it was like an accident that made his ears fuck up. I know he's deaf or going deaf in the comics, but I like when they talk about it. They just quickly just touch on it in the second episode and they do like that flashback to all those moments in the Avengers movies where giant explosions happen around him and it's like yeah I guess you would have hearing problems yeah. that doesn't really explain people like like Nat or Sam who are also humans where's their hearing problems but whatever <laughs> yeah because that's one of the things um, that the MCU has in terms of continuity issues is that like there are no repercussions for for, for, for anyone and like Hawkeye mm-hmm. he's like one of the most human human uh, out of all of the Avengers and you actually get to see that um, the battles from the past have taken its toll on this man so yeah. so it's good to see that like someone actually does have like battle scars going on mm-hmm. how'd you feel about um, the very brief appearance of Lucky the pizza dog <laughs> uh, 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 um, honestly l- l- Lucky Lucky's adorable you know fr- <laughs> friggin um, the fact that like, K- like saving a pet animal is like the most heroic thing you could possibly do and, yep. <laughs> and you, you know and it's like this little dog with like one bad eye just like and he eats pizza he's so freaking lovable it's like how can you not it seems like a really cheap way to make people like like it, it, if you put a, a, a dog in anything it's like shorthand of making you care about that character or, or pet or whatever it's 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 so funny because like i won't give a fuck about people but then i'll see a dog and be like Oh, <laughs> oh, he's so cute. He had to do nothing to earn my affection, but just exist and have one bad eye. But I'm already like, oh, oh yeah, team Lucky. <laughs> yes, yes, and like that's I was gonna say, Lucky is also from the comics, so like that's an, that's another yeah. thing too. Is like, um, I'm glad that like they're actually doing comic book stuff, uh, w- with this show with the tracksuit mafia with Lucky the pizza dog and um, yeah, yeah every, everything that's going on. So it, it has me curious about like what's gonna what's gonna come next in the next few episodes. Yeah. One of my biggest issues, I think, in this was just not enough Hawkeye characterization other than just being a father in that first episode. Yeah. Um, but I, but I, I understand that this, similar to the Black Widow movie, is a vehicle to basically replace our main Avenger character. Like, obviously, he's not the main character of the series. It, when you start with a character's origin story, that's your main character. And the main character of this is not Hawkeye. It's called Hawkeye, but your main character is not Hawkeye. It's actually Kate Bishop. Oh. Um, so I just want to see how that develops over time. And I like, uh, I'm glad that they did a good job of making her likable, at least in these first two episodes. Because if she wasn't likable, this whole thing would fall apart. And I'd be, and I would be angry that we're in a Hawkeye show we're focusing on somebody that's not Hawkeye go back and listen to our Loki review and you can hear me basically make that same complaint that his show was called Loki but eventually it just became about it became the Sylvie show and I did not like Sylvie at all I I, I disagree with you I love Sylvie I oh, love burn. Sylvie burn Sylvie I love Sylvie <laughs> you can't say you cannot talk badly about my queen oh, she's so whiny oh, she got, she's a great example of not being punished for your character flaws and the whole story being focused around like what I hate so much is this trope of trying to put forth a strong female character but the message supersedes the story it's okay if it's natural and it makes sense but in a show called Loki that I'm trying to 
Like, I wanted to see Loki be Loki, but instead he became Simp Loki. That's not the Loki I fell in love with throughout the Avengers. I wanted badass Loki. I wanted President Loki. I'm talking about Loki, not that fucking Hawkeye, but <laughs> this is a good segue, I think, for my issues with the next thing we'll be talking about, which is He-Man. Mm. But just put a, put, a, put a cap in that for now. But that's right. that's my issue, is when they make these things feel forced and unnatural. When, especially when you make us focus on a character who, in my opinion, is annoying or frustrating for writing reasons. But because message goes first, they put these characters on pedestal. So whenever, so even if they're, they're, they're characterized as being wrong or they're, they're selfish or they're they're annoying. The sh- when the show itself goes, no, you have to like this person, even though we've we haven't even done a good job of making you like them. But just by the nature of how we wrote it, you have to like them. I hate that. That's Ray. That's that's the girl from Terminator: Dark Fate. That's like it's so many characters like that over and over again. <laughs> I, I I feel that's like- Tila. And he man. <laughs> oh God! We're not. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, calm down. Yeah. Calm down. We haven't even gotten there yet. Calm down. We're, we're no no more talk about Loki and Sylvie. Let's talk about. But it. yeah, so um, but for Hawkeye, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about about these first two episodes? Oh, you know what? Um, I was gonna say before you freaking went off on a tangent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was gonna say there's also been a rumor. There's a theory going on in the fandom right now that this is possibly setting up a Young Avengers for the future. I mean, it's been rumored for a while. They keep introducing these young characters, so it makes sense. Kate yeah. Bishop, the young Iron Lad um, from Iron Man. Um, I know Patriot was in Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Yes, for a very brief cameo. Yeah, um, yeah, yes. So like, they're like they're dropping nuggets that we could possibly have a Young Avengers at some point, and I wouldn't mind seeing seeing that honestly. Because yeah. even Wiccan and uh, Wiccan and Speed, or that's not his name. Wiccan and is this Speed? Yeah, Wiccan and Speed from. Uh, WandaVision. They're in the Young Avengers. Oh yeah, I forget that's actually like what her kids' uh, superhero names actually are. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they're definitely uh, they're definitely uh, playing this, playing the seeds, and I think that'd be pretty cool if we actually did see like some version of uh, the Young the Young Avengers and like maybe get their own spinoff. Like uh, I was gonna say something in the along the lines of Titans, but hopefully Marvel actually can like do it a little bit better. <laughs> Yeah, fuck Titans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> any, but any, but anyways, aside from that, yes, we have a lot of uh, theories and expectations uh, for the show. So me and Jordan will definitely be looking forward to reviewing it further in the future. Yeah, and hopefully next week we'll have Crystal on to kind of give her female perspective about you know what's happening in the series so far. Yes. Uh, but on that note, to to kind of piggyback off my own rant about He Man, let's mm. talk about He Man Revelation. Or no, I, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, excuse the fuck out of me. Masters of the Universe Revelation Part Two. <laughs> yeah, and there's a, there's a reason. <laughs> oh man, the power is mine alone. Why did it answer his call? Citizens of Eternia, we're in dire need of your help. There is nothing to live for. Merely chaos. And to chaos. Will we all return? Thank you for being my daughter. Now you need to be something greater. Look at the sky. All hope is gone. Everything will end. Find safe positions. There are no safe positions. Oh, there's one. Behind me.
you guys are in trouble now. Um, just to not because I I have talked about part one in the show already. Um, just to recap my thoughts on that, I thought the animation was amazing. Yes, I thought that the writing even this is a weird this is a weird thing where there are so so many elements are done right that it's so confusing for me to walk away being unsatisfied but it all goes back to what I was saying earlier about forcing your agenda forcing your message and somewhere along the line I just have to assume someone was like we need to make a strong female character and they thought I, if you've seen the old He-Man shows, Tila is one of the main characters, and she's not like a, a damsel in distress. Sometimes no. she is, right. but people—that's just people get kidnapped. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah, it's she. Yeah. She was never like a dainty like we need to fix this problematic female character. I don't think, especially in the 2002 version of He-Man, and that's my version of He-Man. I was never a. I'm gonna put that out right now because there's a lot of controversy with the He-Man show or Masters Universe show because of Kevin Smith claiming he was a, a He-Man fan before it came out and then statements he made later contradicted him saying that he was a fan growing up. It turns out he wasn't. Uh, he lied about the show before it came out being... Uh, there was, there was, it was rumors that there was going to be a Tila focus, it, even though it's called Masters of the Universe, even though Masters of the Universe is a He-Man property. There were already rumors coming out that it was going to be a show focused on Tila and sideline He-Man. He came out, and if he just said nothing, there wouldn't have been a controversy. But he came out and and basically shut those rumors down and was like, no, you're, you're crazy. It's not a Tila show. This is, this is all He-Man. If you love He-Man, this is a show for you. And then part one came out. <laughs> and obviously for part one, that was definitely the Tila show. He-Man spoilers for part one of Masters of the Universe at this point. If you don't know about it, you don't care about it. But he, He-Man dies in episode one. And then they spend five episodes searching for a way to bring the power back because when He-Man dies, the power leaves with him. And in the last episode of part one, they find Prince Adam. He comes back to Eternia. He, he calls upon the power, and the Skeletor stabs his ass. <laughs> so He-Man was very literally sidelined in part one. And I'd even argue he was sidelined in part two. But I think if they had released part one and part two together, there would have been less of an argument for, for He-Man being... I can't even say that. There might be less of a, a, a backlash when there not being enough He-Man action because the He-Man action we got in part two far exceeds the action scenes in part one. Absolutely. So if you're just going in just for a dope dope He-Man scenes, you're going to get that. The problem with for me is all of the story, and really not even the story itself, the, the, the forced focus on Tila being the main character of this and not Prince Adam. And you could do that in a way that works. And I think right now, Hawkeye is a good example of doing it in a way that works. Same thing with Hawkeye. We, we, Kate Bishop's origin story, it's her show. In He-Man Part 2, it's Part 2 starts with Tila's origin story, not Prince Adam's. It's Tila's show. Mm. And I think that's why they call it Masters of the Universe. Um, but I, as, a, as a person that liked the 2002 version of He-Man, I want a He-Man show in my Masters of the Universe. I don't want a everybody except Prince of Adam's show. And that's also the problem. It's like, I feel like every character in this got more to do, and not bigger moments than He-Man, but arguably almost the same level of heroism as He-Man. And maybe that's the point. Maybe the point of this was, it's Masters of the Universe, we want to give everybody a shot. But when you literally put the words, it's not about us, in He-Man's mouth, talking to Skeletor, when all the hype after part one, for people that even didn't like it, was, well, okay, part one, 
the Tila show. It was about Tila, and you're, you're making character development for Tila, Evil Lynn, Orko, and all these characters. All right, great. But part two, the trailers showed us Hulk He-Man fighting Scala God. That's going to be the He-Man show. They're going to bring this whole thing around, and in part two, we're going to get the He-Man show that Kevin Smith promised us and continues to promise us even after part one came out. He's like, nah, if you like He-Man, you can get all the He-Man you can fucking want in part two. And on some level, he wasn't wrong. But what he didn't say was, but also, um, we're going to literally sideline He-Man as the secondary main battle in the series, and it's going to be a big Tila versus Evil Lynn show at the end. And in fact, there are moments at the end where Prince Adam himself has the S. It's, he's so sidelined that implicitly, you could be like, so why is He-Man needed in the show anymore? And then explicitly, they have Prince Adam go, Hey, uh, hey, Tila, do you even need me anymore? I mean, I do need a guardian. You're so powerful now. Like, it's like, bro, you made He-Man the ultimate savage, the ultimate icon of masculinity into a bitch. <laughs> and like, you didn't have to do that. You could, and this is, I'm just giving you the 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 synopsis of my argument against I'm get, feminism. I'm getting the blurred vision synopsis right. Yeah, you're getting the blurred vision synopsis. Yes. You don't have to diminish the male characters in your story to put the females on a pedestal. Yes. You can raise both. If you wanted to have the Tila show, I'm not even mad that they wanted to make her a, a focus. You can do that. Like with Hawkeye right now, you can do that. But you can't, like, like how you were saying about Hawkeye, you were afraid they were going to diminish Hawkeye yes. and make him the butt of a joke. Yes. They literally made He-Man the butt of a mom. Like, he is, by the end of the show, he he comes off to me more like a grown man-child. There's literally a moment where he's talking to his mom like, I mean, hey, mom, can you drop me off at the battle? I'm like, what are you doing to He-Man? <laughs> Let him be a badass. They're turning him into Shazam, basically, because basically He-Man and Shazam are like the basic co same concept. It's a, yes. it's a child in a man's body. They're making He-Man to Shazam, a man-child, and at the same time, they've turned Tila into Captain Marvel, the undisputed god of gods. That no, There's no reason for He-Man to even exist by the end of the show, but then they, they have a, a, a post credit stinger that is like, hey, you want to see a season two? Nah. <laughs> because that show, with the status quo you've created now, it's not... It, you might as well just call it Tila in the Masters universe because it's not like a thing where, you, hey, we're gonna raise we're gonna raise everybody up to the same Avengers level. You didn't do that. All you did was replace He Man as your title character with Tila now. So it's like if your if if your goal was to give everybody a fair shot and make all the characters like you don't want the Krillin effect in Dragon Ball Z. You don't want just Goku and Vegeta do all your shit. You want the other characters to have a fair shot and being you know. The ensemble characters, but you didn't. Instead, I, the message completely overwrote the story, and by the end, you just you just replaced He Man with Tila. And you want me to get excited for even things like a Shira show? We have that. It's called Super Tila. I just watched it. <laughs> Super Tila Revelations. <laughs> um, so those are my general thoughts. Get them out. I just wanted to get them out there. Yeah, I got you. And I I'd give the show. Oh boy, this is hard. Because mm. if you're not a He-Man fan and you just go into this blind, 
you might walk away just being like, oh, that was cool. I like the animation. The story was okay. And the, the characters, some of them had really likable arcs. Like Orko, I think it was done really, it was done so well. I think Orko was, they nailed Orko. You're going to hate think me. Evil, you're going to hate me. Well, I think, oh no, you're gonna, you don't like Orko? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, before, you know what? I was going to say, uh, going into this show, I... Wait, 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 wait. Before you give your, before you give your thoughts, All I just right. want to give my rating. Yeah, go for it. I think I want to give it... For the average person, if you don't know anything about He-Man, you're just watching this for, just to watch it. I also don't even know if they gave you enough information, if you're not already a hardcore Masters of the Universe He-Man fan, about this world. It's very random. By the end, you got people with medieval swords, but also space-age like laser tech, and there's magic. and It's a very convoluted world, if not already a He-Man fan. I give it a passable, like in the middle. But for me personally, for somebody who sees the good show in it, who sees, like, if you had just focused more on Prince Adam, if you didn't choose to make him a man-child and a joke, if you had put everybody on the same level and not just raised Tila to the to the utmost godhood, I, I would think I would have enjoyed it more. I think it would have done better as a Masters of the Universe show rather than just a he-Tila show. So, I'm gonna, for me, I think it's, it's a... <laughs> it hurts. I think it's poor vision. It, I, I I can't tell you how after the last moments of the last episode, how empty I felt. And it's because in that part two, for the first four of those five episodes, for the most part, I was like, this is a lot better. This is so much better than part one. If this go, if this ends well, I think this is like, a, the, the haters, fuck the haters. If Part one and part two together is the He-Man show. You just had to have that arc of like the He-Man, uh, the the hero at his lowest point, but they didn't go that way, and instead it just became a Tila show. So I, for me, it's poor vision. If you're gonna make a He-Man show, if you're gonna make a Batman show, and it ends up about being Robin being better than the Batman, and Robin becomes the new Batman, and Batman's still there, and he's like, "Do you even need me more, Robin?" Fuck that show! Like, <laughs> fuck that show! Oh. I don't want the Robin show. Okay. <laughs> titans damn. but anyway <laughs> i mean damn okay all right but what did you think my rant's over okay so like i was trying to say before i am the audience um that has never really like watched anything of he-man i never watched any he-man properties even though we had the masters of the universe show back in like 2003 um yeah. ba- you know and it was ra- on around the same time when transformers armada was in and i was all about transformers but i was just like i was never hardcore into he-man and then mm. um you were telling me about revelations and i i checked it out and honestly for the most part i thought the animation was good oh also you watch part one and two together yeah yes yeah, so yes. You're, you're a great person seeing the whole story at once yes i did see yeah. the whole the whole thing uh from beginning to finish and from what i have to say say uh coming in like not knowing anything about he-man and this being like the first time i'm seeing anything with it it's actually not a bad place to start you know because like i do like the cast i recognize a lot of the voice cast i thought everyone actually did have like really good arcs in the story everyone got to do something different than what was normally like in their nature and um i was i was i do understand where you're coming from though when you think that it might be like poor vision and then like the main character the titular character uh gets gets sidelined towards the end i get that you know but um at the same and i just sidelined 
embarrassed. Yeah, embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but for the most part, you know, like I don't think the storytelling was terrible, and like no, no, great writing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, like I said, I do love the voice cast because there's actually a lot of uh, recognizable voices in there um, that I thought were like perfect uh, for their roles. And in terms of uh, the escalation of violence between part one and part two, it literally went from like a, uh, a five to a freaking 11 by part two. Cause then everyone's freaking in part two, everyone's dying, getting murked and all the, all the, uh, the, the, the citizens are getting turned into fucking, uh, these undead, like zombies, zombies and shit. Yeah. yeah so it, it was pretty wild, you know, freaking, um, the way that, that they, that things were happening. And, um, like I said, as a fan who like knows nothing about He-Man, I honestly like I enjoy I can't say I didn't enjoy watching it and like I thought it was very much like a spectacle and um I didn't even think about all of your criticisms. I didn't think about any of that while I was watching it. I was just watching it and for the most part I did like that characters were coming into their own, realizing their flaws and um they all like overcame it and they all like they got better mm. for it. the only person that i'm honestly like the only person i think i'm disappointed with of course is evil lynn because evil lynn was getting in towards it where she was actually like really yeah be- evil lynn was your biggest problem not tila uh well okay okay yeah i'm about to pick your brain about this because i'm like there are a lot of things i'm like that all right that's stupid there's no way you like this because <laughs> okay because here, here's the thing you even said in the first when we were watching part one i remember you hitting me up and being like like wow tila you're getting mad the father of a person who just lost her yes son. yes yes like, okay <laughs> so I this did- is what i'm talking about with the writing being like no they're right regardless of how wrong they are like in like or the average person's opinion of someone that's a bitch move like you're so self-absorbed. All you care about is your feelings. That's a very modern SJW thing of like, my feelings supersede everything. Yes, yes I was going like, to say, I was going to yeah. say, okay, okay. I retract my statement. Yes, Tila, <laughs> Tila is definitely one of my primal concerns of this show. And the fact that like, she's so like uh, caught up in her feelings and she feels so fucking betrayed. She's letting it like cloud her judgment and like she's treating everyone like dirt and it's like yo adam sacrificed himself for your punk ass and he, all he ever did was love you and you just want to go and give him shit for like even though you haven't seen him in in forever and it's like wait well, one of my best my favorite lines from part one is when he, she finds him in heaven and she's like uh, he's like why are you upset he's like uh you didn't tell me your secret adam i don't have let me be upset with you he's like tila i die i don't care <laughs> like, that, yeah no <laughs> Like no, like no, like uh, no. If I was Adam, I would have been like, no. Listen, bitch, I fucking died for you, and all I ever did was fucking care. You don't get to be mad. You don't get to be mad, Tila. Yes, I do, Adam, because you didn't fucking tell me you were he, man. That's so stupid. (laughs) I'm sorry, but like, how many fucking superheroes kept their secret identities from their loved ones, and they go and fucking act like that? You know what's a great example of that? Invincible. There was a lot of backlash to the Amber character because of the very same thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she she knew the entire time that Mark was invincible, but then she gets mad at him anyway, despite knowing that. It made her look like a bitch. It made her look like someone who has no empathy, who only cares about their feelings over everything else. And it's a pattern. It yeah. keeps happening in writing. And I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's male writers writing women and not knowing how to write women. But whatever the reason, it keeps happening. So I can't, I can't, for someone like me who's seen all this shit so many times, I can't separate what I know is the underlying agenda 
why they're doing it. They they do they do things like that, even the Amber thing, because they want her to seem smart. They want her like, well, it's, how many times does a woman not know something obvious like secret identity? No, to make her smart, she's got to know. But it's like that fucked up her character. But the reason they even do that is because they wanted her not to seem like, you know, a, a stupid woman character. They want to empower her. But by empowering her, it made her unlikable. And I think the same thing happened with Tila, where they thought making a strong woman means she's got to constantly be bitching to everybody else about like, well, no, you're wrong and I'm right for this reason. But it's like, no, you're not. And what's more insulting to me as a viewer is when I know somebody's in the wrong, and in a, in a well-told story, the story would agree with that would agree with that sentiment and find a way to make that character change how they think. But instead, in part two of of Master of, Masters of the Universe, all they do is justify everything, every bitchy move Tila made, every selfish thing she said. They put it in the mouth of the father character to be like, no, 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 Tila was fine. She was right. Everything was right. Her being upset with me was totally justified. Like, wait, what? <laughs> Heel turn. And at the end, she's so empowered that she can't even be the person to receive a lesson and change. Instead, she's the person to give the life-changing advice. I'm not going to spoil it yet, but to someone else who made a huge sacrifice for her. But then her response is, no, I can do it all, mom. You don't have to. <laughs> it's like, Huh? <laughs> oh god! But yeah, I'm sorry. Continue. Oh, you know what? I lost my train of thought after all that. Well, now. you were talking about Tila Part One. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> well, yeah, very much like when I was watching Part One, it definitely felt like you know, like it felt like He Man. You had like all the elements there. Freaking um, I didn't honestly didn't expect things to, like go the way that they did at the end, where it's like Tila literally got mad at like everyone, you know, freaking because like he got she got mad at her dad. She got mad at freaking uh her uh adam's mom as well because she was the only one who freaking know it's like dude that's his mom like who the hell like like straight up like <laughs> i can't keep secrets of my my mother like i'm surprised like freaking like if adam's able to like keep his secret identity with his mom like that's that's freaking saying something and it's like yo it's like granted it's like i know freaking like adam's your best friend but it's like listen he, he was protecting you like when super superheroes keep their secret identities it's because they're trying to protect the ones that they love and um I, I, Tila, I found, I found that she was being like very selfish in that aspect. And then, like, she had this whole, that led her onto this path of having this whole hatred of, mm. uh, of magic. And, um, yeah. That was one of the things about, uh, going into part two was how, like, magic was demonized in part, in part two when I felt, when, like, it was clear that magic was one of the things that was, like, helping the realms and keeping the realms together. And, um, it very much felt like real world shit when, like, the concept of religion was brought into the world and then, like, people started destroying, oh, yeah. yeah, when people, like, were starting to destroy the old ways. And, um, that's very much how I felt when, uh, the, the whole cult of Motherboard started coming, mm-hmm. c- coming in and they were saying, like, no, mag- magic is bad. Magic is, magic is the old ways and we have to, and we have to stop the old ways. Even, um... I'm a fan of Skyrim, and if, and there's a thing in Skyrim too where like there's also elements of of like that in play. Uh, mm. So 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 going into it, if, it, if there was, I was feeling a lot of things going into part part two, but um, well, what was like what was I gonna say? I was so one of the characters. Well, you're giving it. What's what's your general thoughts for your rating? Um, you know what? Um, I don't. I don't think it was. I don't think it was bad, and I don't necessarily think it was. It was like perfect so i'm just gonna give it passable 
I'm gonna say it was. Oh passable. my god! So I was right. Yeah, I was, I, that was my assumption. I'm like, I think people will probably think this is like passable. Yeah, but Con- yeah, consi- for me, I'm just mad, mad, mad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Skeletor, mad. <laughs> ah, he man. <laughs> oh my! You can't spell advertisements without putting the. T- <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. What? I tried. I tried. I can't do it. Um. So let's just go through different plot points. I'm. I'm curious because you don't have the seething hatred I have for these these tropes, these these feminist tropes. I'm, I'm curious what you thought about certain things. So we already talked about the initial Tila being selfish and caring about her feelings more than the feelings of recently bereaved parents who lost their sons. Mind-boggling. I'm supposed to like... And this is the character I'm following now. I want, I want, I'm supposed to like her. Like, <laughs> like no. Um, and at the end of part one... Uh, it's very Game of Thrones. Yes. I even like. I didn't even it. That ending of part one is what made me interested enough to keep watching because mm. I was like, yeah, it's it seems like the lowest point right now, but that's kind of great storytelling when you take your characters to the lowest point possible, then bring them back, bring them back up. Yes. So him getting stabbed, I didn't assume he was gonna die there. I don't think they would do all that just to bring Adam back to stab him, kill him before part two started. One of my fears was possibly by the end. Um, which is my fears were actually not met, but it ended up being worse. I thought they were going to do a thing where Adam gave up the power by the end and made someone else He-Man. Probably, I, at first I thought it was going to be um, Tila's friend, the black chick. Uh, you know, just because I'm like, you know, you've had so little He-Man in this that if this ends up being a passing of the mantle story, it doesn't feel justified. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that. But what they did was worse because they didn't have to pass the mantle. He became obsolete when Tila uh, took on the power of Grayskull herself and gave they gave her infinite power. Infinite. To the point where it's like, if He-Man's Superman level, kind of, but without the ability to fly, Tila's like Dr. Manhattan. Like, and you could do that if you gave her limitations. But the problem with all these like... Uh, I hate using the term woke but or like feminist, but all of these female empowerment storylines, for whatever reason, they think a strong woman means you can't have any flaws. So, historically, the Enchantress, even despite having unlimited cosmic power like the genie, she's had a limitation. She can't leave the, the tower or the castle Grayskull. And that makes sense why you need a guardian because even though He-Man might not be as strong as the Enchantress in like a straight up fight because he she can't leave the, the temple, he has to be the guardian of Grayskull and like be the one that goes out into the world and defends it. The dynamic between the sorceress and the champion is very much, it feels like um, a good guy version of the rule of two with the Sith from Star Wars because you have the all powerful sorcerer, sorceress, uh, Palpatine, and then you mm. have, and then you have the champion, the basically the right hand, uh, the sword, uh, which is He Man. Um, so first it starts off the the dynamic is the sorceress and He Man, and then eventually after Skeletor comes back into the picture, um. Skeletor becomes the champion, gaining He-Man's power, and then after the sorceress dies, Eva Lynn becomes the new sorceress. Uh, the new sorceress, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and that. But then the dynamic kind of changes because Skeletor is technically supposed to be the one uh, in charge, and then. <laughs> Evelyn used to, like she used to fear Skeletor. She used to be very subservient towards Skeletor. Yeah, they they really made it a abusive relationship. Yes, in this, it's very- which is like 
I, I that's an interesting angle to take, but again, it's like message, message, put it in, put it in there. Yeah, bad, Batman, toxic masculinity. He's bad. Like, <laughs> yeah, basically, basically, and um, like, oh my god. So eventually, uh, <laughs> Evelyn tricks Skeletor. Uh, oh, seduces! I me. hated how she did that, dude. Honestly, all the power in the universe. <laughs> well, if you want to fuck me, you gotta let that power go. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love, I love the fact that Evelyn is voiced by uh, Cersei from Game Cersei. of Thrones because yeah. that whole scene and that whole dynamic and like, dude, it was so Game of Thrones and it, like it was so in character for for that actress and it was like, it, it doesn't surprise me at all that like freaking. Um, Skeletor would uh, give in to uh, to his appetites of the flesh, and like he has no flesh. <laughs> <laughs> he might have a bone, literally. <laughs> he had a boner, but I'm like, what flesh to, to, to give oh in to? Oh my god! <laughs> but my thing is like, so now I have to think about. So they're fucked. Like, I never once was like, you know, I thought it was just a minion to a uh, 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 overlord, not a I'm fucking Skeletor relationship, bro. That, it added a level of like intimacy i didn't ever want to see skeletor and evil and have but it also makes a question like who is this show for like is this a kid's show no because it but, but no <laughs> it is not a kid's show listen that all went out the door when people started when all the freaking citizens started turning into zombies and everyone started getting hacked left and right, right that's fair, what that's fair. when the kid gloves were off that's when the fair. kid gloves are off straight up this was like it started like i would okay. sooner I would sooner let my kids watch violence, though, than watch some weird sexual shit with <laughs> Eva Lynn using her sexuality to seduce Hitler <laughs> into, into letting her hold his sword to get his power. Like, there's definitely a metaphor in there about taking a man's power away by taking his sword. <laughs> definitely. I don't know if that's literal, but oh, that's just a funny. God. That's a funny comparison. But like I was saying, I, I saw that. I, I saw that coming, and I, I, I for a moment I honestly thought that Evelyn was gonna go through with it and like you know do the deed and fuck him. Yeah, 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 yeah me yeah. too. I, like, really, uh, I really did. But then she pulls back and takes the sword. I'm like, okay, there's Evelyn. There's there's there, there's the, there's the, the treacherous Evelyn that I know and love. <laughs> but again, those are just examples to me of diminishing every male character they can that was gonna be the focal point. Because before, because I thought like, okay, now we're back on track. Now it's Masters of the Universe. Now Skeleton is going to be the main villain and no he's not now it's going to be evil Lynn who's become gozer with this power like she looks like a, a muscular gozer you can't tell me she doesn't it's the hair <laughs> it's, it's the haircut it's, it's the, the hair, hair and the, and the glittery hair. cape it's, it's the, the hair. glittery cape yeah I think, I think it's the cape and the glittery, <laughs> hair. glittery cape in the hair but, but, but like, let me get to my point I was making before about um uh the, the basically sidelining He-Man by the end. So they did something worse than I thought would be passing the mantle from He-Man who didn't get enough screen time in his own fucking brand. But when you get to, like, so the, the power dynamic, because Tila can have no flaws by the end, she has to tell her mother, who we've established in the first episode of part two, that she sacrificed everything to to give the life to Tila that she she couldn't do it like she couldn't be the enchantress and have worldly attachments and also be Tila's mother. So she made a sacrifice. She chose the security of the world, the universe, and magic itself, not over her daughter, but really for her daughter. And Tila, who her whole arc, this entire series, has been she's mad at everybody for keeping secrets. But sometimes 
Like it, that is like the perspective of a child of a child because sometimes you have to keep secrets to protect people to for whatever reason secrets aren't inherently a bad thing. This just depends on what you're keeping a secret for. And I think in the case of He Man, him keeping a secret identity for the the sake of Eternia is not a bad thing. <laughs> so her arc should have been understanding that sometimes somebody, in my opinion, her arc should have been at to understand that sometimes we keep secrets for the ones we love. And in her mother's case, which is a great example, she didn't keep a secret to hurt Tila. She kept a secret to help Tila. To, in her mind, it was the only way. Right or wrong, that's, that's what she was doing it for. But instead of the main character learning a lesson, she, because the story says that she's right in everything she thinks and feels, the story goes, nah, Tila's right. You don't have to ever keep secrets. So, mom, even though you sacrificed everything for me, I don't give a fuck because I, I, I can have it all. And that's such like, a, to me, I, I, I can't not hear the modern sensibilities of most young people, which is, I sound so old saying that, but it's like, no, I, I don't want half. I want everything. It's, it's selfish. So you undermine her sacrifice, the mother's sacrifice, by being like, nah, what you did was stupid. If you, if you just wanted it hard enough, you could have had everything. I'm like, the enchant. The mother sacrificed her relationship with her daughter, but she didn't want it bad enough. But Tila, through the power of friendship, she wanted it so bad that yeah, the universe bends to Tila, and now she not only has the power, unlimited power of the enchantress, but now the one weakness that the enchantress had is no longer part of her 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 story. So now she can be the enchantress with, with ungodly cosmic power, the power to rewrite reality and just do that snap her fingers and kill somebody but now she can walk around and be effectively a guardian and the enchantress yeah and that to me that's just rewarding somebody like that's that's not good storytelling and it's for me for something that like the writing is so on point for 99% of this but it's like when it comes to Tila there's this blind spot and I, I can't shake that feeling like, how did you feel about that did you not get that sense from her becoming the enchantress with no weaknesses and her, her mother's sacrifice I mean yeah definitely you know like I felt that like it very much like diminishes like the decision that her mom made which was like she sacrificed her entire life and, and like everything that who she was you know for her daughter and for the sake of the realms uh, to be the, to be the sorceress and then and then literally like I knew that eventually Tila was going to become the new sorceress but not um not the way that it was executed i very much thought that like Tila was going to have to like sacrifice something and i thought that the direction they were going to go in is like i know that uh adam and Tila have feelings for each other and mm. and i eventually thought they were going to like reciprocate i thought that um they were going to like express their love for each other but ultimately Tila was going to have to sacrifice that in order uh to serve as a sorceress and that she clearly like could not be uh with adam because that was her destiny was to become the next sorceress that's the yeah. di- that's the direction that i thought that was going to go in but when uh the mature direction yes I think it's more of a mature like like handing of her plot yes and then like apparently but then that's that is the one questionable thing that i find is that like tila was somehow able to break the glass ceiling and become the sorcerer supreme and free (laughs) and um somehow she's able to like freely walk the walk the realms uh with no consequence and i feel 
and this is how I feel if they do decide to make a part three uh, to this or a second season or whatever. Um, I feel like there will be repercussions for Tila's actions of being able to walk outside the realms uh, in one shape or form. And I feel like that's one of the only things that will be able to save that decision at the end of because uh, it's it's world breaking like what yeah. you're saying is the same issue of like captain marvel in the mcu like she's too powerful for the rest of the show to function and the irony of shit like this is the reason why they do this stuff i say they like there's some cabal of feminists that govern <laughs> all stories but the reason why this is done is equality right yeah. isn't the whole point of all this stuff is to be equals yes but i don't see it as equality i this is where i'm like no it's not about being equal it's about being superior like you say it's equality to get empathy to be like hey like if you if you're not a sexist you should be supportive of this but it's like by the end of this story she's not equal to he-man she's far superior at the point where the show itself says as much like the skeletor he-man fight at the end is literally the secondary battle to Tila and Evil Lynn. That's and I'm like... Yeah, and that's another thing I was going to touch on, too, was, like, I very much thought that, like, by the end of this, like, the climactic battle was going to be He-Man versus Skeletor... Well, Su- He-Man versus Super Skeletor, basically. Yeah. That's what I thought that, that the final battle fight was going to be, but that, f- that fight was very much sidelined. But- or... Or I have a suggestion mm-hmm. in a world where we're calling this Masters of the Universe, where yes. you want equality for everyone, right? Right. Why isn't it they all, if Skell God, he's called Skell God, wouldn't it be awesome if he was so powerful that it required He Man, the Enchantress, Orko, Man at Arms, all these characters together? <laughs> as the Avengers, <laughs> as the masters of the universe. He right, he right, he right. Yeah, right. Like, it doesn't make he, he right. but, but no, that's not. But that's not the point. The point is, it's superiority. It's not about mm. equality. It's not about masters of the universe. It's about Tila and the masters of the universe. So that's why I call shenanigans on all this. Like, oh, but it's about female empowerment. No, it's about female superiority. Because if it was about empowerment, empowerment doesn't mean you have to be better than everybody else. But that's what consistently they do. Even with, I, I could go down the list of all of these tropes. Like I said before, Terminator Dark Fate. You got Star Wars. Like how many things are like that? I, I could just go down the list of things that are like that. Now, I will also say this. Toxic mas- masculinity is very much a thing, but toxic femininity is also a thing. And Boom! Yes. Yes. It is very much a thing in our media today. And I will go off the bat right now and say anything that women can do, uh, anything that, that men can do, women can do as well. But I do believe that there is a certain level of toxicity between the between the two. And we need to start we need to start finding um, a, a balance. Ba- a balance. Yes. A balance. Yeah. Exactly. See, same page. You read my mind. You read my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's the thing. You, you kind of hit the nail on the head by saying. Toxic masculinity does exist. Yes. I'm not denying that. No. But that's the, the weird thing in our society now is we don't talk about toxic femininity. Mm. Like it's not, it, it, that, and it goes back to women have no flaws in all of these things. And that's, but that's not what makes a strong character. Mm. I, I, I preach about this all the time on the podcast. What makes a strong character is having flaws and overcoming those flaws, acknowledging those flaws, and then being able to move past them. But if you're just, if you're just flawless, there's no arc. Mm-hmm. It's just <laughs> strong woman. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. But um, oh my goodness. Well, then I have I have more questions. Yes. Uh, what, how did you feel about um, 
uh, Orko's arc. Because I, I, I keep saying, I, I feel like it, I'm speaking out two sides of my mouth, where I'm like, the writing for Tila was terrible, but the writing <laughs> for everyone else was pretty great. Yeah. It was an Orko, Orko that made me like Orko that I've, I've liked him more in this than anything. Absolutely. I loved Orko. Um, I felt so bad for him, too, because it's like freaking like like hearing his story and then like him feeling like I'm not good for anything. You know, I can't make it. I felt so bad. I felt so bad for the little imp. And um, he won me. He won me over. He sacrificed himself to save his friends. And then he actually like got to um, come back. And, he became uh, Orko uh, the White at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> <laughs> look, look to me on the seventh day. <laughs> that was kind of what happened. That's what, that was Orko. That was Orko, man. <laughs> I loved it. I loved that so, so much. Um, but my thing uh, is, again, the arc's not feeling complete. I, I thought it was going to be a thing where Orko had to be the one to convince Evil Lynn not to do what she was doing. Not Tila. Yeah, I, I thought so too, because like that's how it was going in a... Uh, in, uh, was it part one or part two? Yeah, part one. Yeah. Part one is when they developed the yeah, relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, part and she saw, she was the one that told Orko, like, like, no, my name was Lynn, not Evil Lynn. You know what I mean? So I thought that would be like a thing. Yeah, she was more winning, of a thing. Evil Lynn was winning me over too. Freaking like, I really thought that she had changed and freaking um, Orko was definitely like one of the things that was like keeping her uh, tied down to, to reality. And um, I love the dynamic between her and Orko with their magic. And like, Evelyn was actually like being encouraging of Orko. And um, yeah. I love the one bit that Evelyn got to say um, when they were asking about each other's names and how Orko was actually like derived from Oracle. But then yeah. um, or- uh, Orko was going to ask her. Uh, about her name and then she's like no i added no no they didn't used to call me evil i added that on later i love i love yeah. i love that shit i love i love yeah. that but um you actually like i do like that we got into like everyone's backstory throughout this entire mm. thing you get to find out uh about duncan's relationship with tila's mom <laughs> with tila's mom everyone except prince adam <laughs> well you know what I, I the reason why i think they sideline adam in this too is because like he's been like the centerpiece since like the 70s you know but that but but the 70s didn't have good characterization no like it's not like i'm coming out of the 70s show i didn't really watch like that but no, i didn't either. I, there's never a point where i'm like wow this show made me love prince adam yeah. like you know what i mean it's like the, yeah. the, the shitty cartoon writing of the 70s <laughs> the fuck yeah, they did a better job in the 2002 series i think but that's not uh, this yeah. series you know what i'm saying like you got just like with with hawkeye like put it in this series yeah and honestly seeing watching uh revelations it actually makes me want to go back and watch the old 2003 show just to see like if how different it is or like what kind of decisions mm. they made with that show i very much i missed out on that show when it was oh. first out yeah i missed out i missed out i never i never watched it like i said oh. like i said um it was hard i never really like got into he-man it like it never really like appealed to me so like i just I, I just it went under my radar for like the longest time so like mm. when you were telling me about revelations i i just wanted to check it out and like like i said if you never watched the he-Man property before and you're like you're any and you and like you want to start getting into it um revelations is not a bad place to like start watching it and um you know to get your own opinions about the whole thing and then like you know you want to go back and like watch watch um the 2003 show i'd watch the 2000 
2003 show or 2002 show, whatever year it is, just because, just first, just because it's literally a He-Man origin story. Yeah. Like the first season, even the first two episodes, I think, are literally about Prince Adam getting the power for the first time and right. even the history of Eternia. They do a lot better job in that series, from what I remember, of characterizing Skeletor. He's less of a joke in that, more of an actual character. He's actually the brother of the king in that story. They were very vague about his origins in Revelation because that was something they made up for the 2003 series, him being the brother of the king. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the original it was this really convoluted thing where he came from a, a planet of skull-faced people. It was very weird. <laughs> but it's like stuff like that where it's like, in terms of storytelling and world building, I feel like the 2003 story did better from what I remember. Well, it also had, um, long, it also had longevity. There's also... Oh, yeah. It was longer. It was right. a longer series. Also... It was like a reboot. They made it specifically so people who had never seen He-Man. Could, this is this this show. Even though you're saying it's probably good for people that never seen He-Man before, mm-hmm. this show was made more for people that were fans of He-Man back in the original. Mm-hmm. So it was made for older fans. Yes. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, what? How'd you feel about um, like some of the other characters' storylines didn't even conclude to me. So I'm like that. I see why they set it up for another season season because someone like beast man oh yeah there were so beast many man. moments where like you thought he was going to be the voice of reason to reach evil lynn again but yeah. no again it's all about tila so tila has to be the one to have a conversation with evil lynn to, to, to make her you know sway from the side of darkness but even with him it was like he became beast simp by the end and oh. he literally became a tool that like the, the most you get by the end of beast man's story is when evil lynn turns him into a uh, actual beast man because he's like uh, today I'll be beast for you my queen ultimate simp power oh my god <laughs> she turns him into a beast monster and there's, there's just one shot of her face going like oh like she looks a little sad like oh what have I done but it never comes back and then Cringer might have killed him so it was like that's how his story ends he was like <laughs> that's so what? random I mean I mean I get it you know, friggin' like keep it, but basically, Beastman simped for Evil Lynn, and I and I get that whole thing. But at the same time, like I, I thought he was gonna be like the the beauty to yeah his, her that's, the beast to her beauty. Yeah, exactly. And like that's how I was looking at it too. Was like, oh, he actually like he cares about Evil Lynn, but it's like Evil Lynn, she only cares about Skeletor. So it's like I get that. So like I and knew, then power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's like yo, it's all about power. We stay hungry, we devour. Put in the work, put in the hours, and take what's ours. No, stop, stop. <laughs> Stop that! God damn it! Stop that! Stop it! Stop it, Jordan! Every episode! Stop it, Jordan! God, we're not doing this again! It's already been done. Oh my god, damn it! You can't say it's about power and not have the rest Listen of the Listen to me! Uh, anyways, going back to what I was saying about Beastman, I very much felt I, I felt bad for Beastman, you know. I, I love I loved him for the fact that like he actually like he actually had does have some humanity and like he was beca- he was becoming like a ma- a man because he was like he actually cared. He cares about Evil Inn, you know, and like, he cares if like Skeletor is gonna fucking hurt her and like I honestly thought that like I don't know maybe he's gonna like sacrifice herself at like some point freaking in front mm. of, uh, in front of Skeletor just to like prove it's like I you know that kind yeah, of that kind of thing that, that would have been good yeah, yeah. it really would Skeletor it, killed him 
Uh, that would have been that would have been awesome, you know. And freaking like it, it would have been nice to like even even if they can't be together, I would have liked to have seen that like reciprocated somehow. But yeah. no, clearly they fucking decided like, oh no, let's go and give Evil in. Let's make her the big bad and give her the sword and make her super six feet tall and super strong. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask, how did how did you feel about? Her character, I agree. I also liked Evil Lynn's characterization in part one, where you can see she's kind of wavering on the side of good and evil. Yeah. Um, the direction they went by the end did not see coming. I didn't see the fact that she would be the one with the power sword and be the ultimate big bad to the point where she made Skeletor's plans look <laughs> like they were nothing, where she destroys uh, uh, what's heaven or whatever they call it, Super Eternia. Even, even that, again, no consequences because she destroys all of heaven. Heaven is gone. There's, when you die, there's no, you're going to heaven. You can only go to hell now. And then at the end, she just gets to walk away. Like there was no like... There were no consequences. Going back to, again, consequences for female characters, especially in this situation. Well, you know, you destroyed heaven and threatened to destroy the universe, but you've learned your lesson. Good job. <laughs> like, like, wait. Uh, that was painful. Um, I was going to say, uh, one of the things that I actually found um, question- questionable was... Shit, I lost my train of thought. Fuck. With Evil Lynn? Yeah, something. So it was either with Evil Lynn. Skeletor! No, now I remember. Mm. Okay. So basically, the fact that Evil Lynn took the power sword and now she's like the big bad um, yeah. forces Skeletor to work with He Man and the mm. rest of uh, the re- the rest of Eternia in order to stop her, and literally he's the one who proposes that we if we work if we work together we can stop her. But and like everyone like just immediately like goes along with it but then they remember that freaking Skeletor was the one who came in destroyed a city turned everyone into undead zombies and literally damned uh two of the souls of their friends to to, fr- <laughs> yeah. to freaking hell that that oh my god that and- scene was so funny because you're like oh my god they became zombies but I'm sure there's a way to cure them oh my god they had to kill them but we know now that heaven and hell, you could actually go there and save them. And he's like, nah, not a dead forever. He's like, no. <laughs> it's like, no, no. Like literally, literally. I was like, yo, yeah. you, like you didn't bring that up. They didn't, they didn't bring that up ever again. It's like, yo, they literally just fucking murk your boys. Like right there. And, yeah. They're just dead. And you didn't bring it up. You should be fucking taking him to like jail or something after all this, you know, but no, no, of course not. There's no repercussions. That was the yeah. thing. That was the thing that I will agree with you on. There was no repercussions for anyone's actions. No, reper- yeah. no repercussions. I mean, I guess Skeletor got his comeuppance, but well, not yeah. by the hands of justice. Yeah. That post credit scene. Yeah, there was that. Techno-infected or whatever. Oh, and God. And they tease. You don't, you don't know the character. I guess you don't know anything about He-Man, but they tease another villain in He-Man. Um, fuck, what's his name? A Hordak? Hordak. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. hearing some I was hearing something about Hordak. Yeah, it was the screen cuz it's like that weird cyborg enchantress thing opens up and then you see Hordak's image on the screen which is like, okay, interesting, I guess. So I guess Skeletor's going to be a minion again and if they do do a season 2. <laughs> but but with when it comes to Evil Lynn, did you like where her character development went from part 2 into part 2? Part 1 into part 2? Like with her, I feel like everything after she got the power I didn't like. Like, I liked her character leading up to that moment. And I even like kind of like the concept of her like seeing into the void of eternity and mm. realizing that nothing matters and that's what broke her. Cause she's like, if nothing matters, then what the fuck am I doing? If, 
it's it's like um it's very much like Owl Man. Yes. It's like yeah, nothing matter. If nothing matters, I'll make the matter. one choice that does, it does which is destroy matter. everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. it's very much um. So here's what I'm gonna say about Lynn. Uh, I like the fact that she went from uh realizing the error of her ways, but then. Evelyn is basically like the Shang Tsung of He-Man because mm. she's very much like a snake. She can walk, she can be a good guy, you know, and I was very much convinced that like she had changed her ways. But then of course I knew that like, no, she's going to betray them all eventually. I know it one way or another. So as soon as I knew that Skeletor was coming back, freaking Lin uh, was going to like turn on everyone. I knew that was going to fucking happen. I knew it, you know, but um, then I would have, I would have preferred a redemption arc for her. Well, that's, just straight up yeah. with them. Yeah. To yeah, fight yeah, Skeletor. yeah. And that's the thing too, um, was like the, the way that they were setting her up. Um, I very much thought that like she was trying to set it up so that he man would be able to defeat Skeletor in the final battle. And then like, yeah. and literally like last minute, Evelyn comes out, betrays Skeletor and then helps, uh, the rest, the, you know, helps yeah. everybody everybody out masters of the universe yeah 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 absolutely so like that's what i was expecting uh to happen for for her but of course she gets power hungry and takes the sword from skeletor using her powers of seduction and freaking <laughs> basically be- becomes the freaking she hulk sorcerer yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, choose the former destructor <laughs> oh my god like i'm just like why did you give her that haircut like why why did you give her because that that's the haircut of powerful women oh my it's, god. it's bro they keep doing it like it's like that's like the i don't know what to call it that's another thing too it's like yo a the, butch the, cut it's like a butch cut to, to you so you know you're not feminine you're masculine and you're take me seriously because now I'm, I'm, I'm powerful. Like, you you don't have to make women more masculine in order to get your point across in order to write strong female characters. You really don't yeah. have to do that. That is an aesthetic choice. And yeah. it's like, I find the, the, the hair choices for Tila and for Evelyn when like they're, they're supposed to be at their, at their prime. I find them very questionable. Yeah, I did not like Tila's haircut throughout this entire thing. Even though, ironically, when she became Enchantress, then she had long hair again. So I was like, all right, I like that. Mm. But even even Evil Lynn had long hair in part one. But then when she gets the power, then she's got the buzz cut thing going on. It's like, all right. <laughs> now yeah. you know she's powerful. It's like, um, y'all didn't have to do that. Y'all really didn't have to do that. Message. Uh, <laughs> um... What we haven't talked about yet, you touched on Skeletor joining with up with He-Man, and that was a very Dragon Ball Super freeze a team with Goku moment. I like that. I like them fighting together to fight evil, and I just didn't like where it ended up because by the end of that whole last episode, like like I said, they become the sideline battle. They they become, and we all know the trope in all those old eighties, nineties, two thousand era action movies. If if there's a co-male and female lead the main fight at the end is the two males and then the, the girl ends up fighting another girl and they end up being the secondary battle they flipped it here purposely. Yeah, they did. it's yeah, not they it's did. not a mistake they did that on purpose yeah they did um but it's, it's not a choice i think they need to do but for the skeletor he-man battle there were so many moments in that last episode with he-man that were like if you just cut this scene out and just put it in its own thing it's amazing like i, I posted up that that he-man amazing battle section when he's fighting against the army um solo and it's such a superman it's kind of cheesy hmm. but it's 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 shazam cheesy it's superman cheesy <laughs> where he lands and they're like oh there's no safe spot he's like there is one behind me, me. And like that's corny but 
I want that corny. <laughs> That's the level of cheesiness I want from a He-Man property. I want that like, yeah, He-Man. He goes out destroying everything. It's fucking badass. Explosions for no reason. Very Power Rangers. I loved all of that. So then when Skeletor comes back and they have the big He-Man Skeletor battle, but it ends up being secondary to the the real final battle, which is Evil Lynn and, and Tila doing their Super Saiyan battle in the sky. Um... It's disappointing because it it was barely even a, a climactic battle, and it ends with him, again the words of the writer in his mouth. It's not about us, man. I'm like I don't, but I want it to be about you. <laughs> I get it, but I wanted that story and to tease me with it, just to be like here. It almost feels like a eh. There you go. You're a He-Man fan. Here, that's that's enough. Get over it. Like if if you if you came to a Masters of the Universe show for He-Man, something wrong with you. Take your little side battle and be happy with that. Your toxic masculinity. That's what it feels like. I'm like, but, but Good, it's cool. Goodness, goodness knows. Goodness knows if the shoe was on the other foot and then He-Man and Skeletor, you know, like if they if it was all if it was all about them, then we would have probably like another set of podcasters somewhere out there freaking complaining about the opposite. You know? But so like that's mm. why I say it's like you need to have a balance between the two there can be a balance and everyone can be able to like do their thing without having to diminish one or the one or the other that's that's what i have to say about that yeah i 100 agree with that i wish they had went that route yeah um but t- the fact that we talked the least about prince adam and he-man in this review says a lot uh, but what we didn't what we didn't touch on is um i i loved <laughs> and I, I talked about this before on my instagram account the short story I'm writing for our He-Man fan film, they literally, I'm not saying this to be like, oh, they, they took my idea, bro. They lit, Two of the moments in the first episode of part two literally are a combination of what I wrote for our He-Man fan film. So that first moment with Prince Adam bleeding after being stabbed by Skeletor, and he's like, he has got a little speech and he's, he's quoting lines from the Masters of the Universe intro, which I really liked. And then he's like, am I fearless friend, Cringer? And then Cringer shows up. It was a great moment. And then the next moment, when Skeletor tracks He-Man and Tila down and uh, Tila's friend down, and uh, he, he's laughing like, oh, go ahead, try your best. I'll give you the first punch, boy. And he's like, what you don't know is the sword was never the source of my power. I've always been the spark. That is almost line for line the exact sentiment I was putting across in my He-Man fan film because I thought, like, I, I know enough about He-Man lore to know that the sword's always been used as the conduit for the his his magical power to Grayskull. But they, what they've never done is do the very, it's kind of a trope, but the power's within. The power's not the, the sword. It's not, that's not what gives you power. The power is what you have in your heart. So I was going to do a, a kind of the same moment where he's able to create the sword with his own energy, with his own light. But you weren't going to do the whole Savage Hulk He-Man. No, He-Man that's where they changed it up. I was like, oh, so they made him the Hulk. Yeah. That's kind of cool. That Did was, not think that. Uh, the, uh, but, but that whole section with Savage He-Man as the Hulk fighting Skeletor was fucking dope. Mm. I love that. It was it was pretty nuts. It was pretty crazy. And like I honestly, like I was not expecting that uh, the first time that... That I, that I saw it because like it made it made sense to me that the sword is like it's the catalyst it's the lightning rod that channels um the power into the person who's who's, yeah. who's wielding it so it does make sense to me that without the sword 
freaking He-Man becomes like this freaking monster of a of a man, and it's like, like it's like all emotion. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. It's all rage. It's all yeah. freaking just like it's the it's berserk energy, and like freaking yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't stop stop him. The only thing that could stop him was the the love of his father. <laughs> the power of love. <laughs> the pow- that's the power of love. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the 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 father who had a complete off-screen character development. Like again, it's like we it, it was like a a switch of a flip, like a switch like a, a switch being flipped. Like who is this guy? He was all like, "Oh, I love you, son. I've been too hard." I'm like <laughs> we missed all of your character development off screen like <laughs> yeah yeah unfortunately yeah we did miss like freaking because like then you literally find out that like uh him and his mom got like a divorce and freaking um you don't find that out until like adam's already back and um you know because it's like literally i remember like freaking like the last time we even saw the king before that he was all he was pissed he was pissed at everyone freaking like he was he, he he was pissed at duncan most of all because like you didn't tell me you didn't tell me my son was he man i Fantasy, you are exiled. Get out of my sight. You know he was yeah. all mad, but and but like, I understood that as somebody yeah. a grieving father who's yeah. kind of losing it in that moment. I understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, but basically, yeah, to see just like to to see everything like 180 so fast. Like I'm happy that friggin' um that Adam was like his father saw the error of his ways, but we really don't like it. Didn't it didn't hit him until like that that, that very moment? Because like sometimes you do need that like that back that back door of explanation of like things that are going on it's like but i don't know like i said i'm one of those guys where it's like if they don't explain things i i explain things in my head and um <laughs> you do the writing for them <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so the fact that because i was i smelled in a mile away that probably his mom and his dad probably like they broke up freaking while he was gone because they're grieving over their child and they can't seem to like mm. get along about things and then there's the matter of trust because his mom was the one who knew his dad didn't know anything so now they're probably like i i i, co- I come from divorced parents so it's like i get same. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I understand how why the characters feel the way they feel. So it's like it's not hard to imagine that like after you lose your your wife, freaking, it makes you like start questioning your and your child. It start makes you mm. questioning your choices and questioning like all of your life decisions. So I can imagine that being alone with his uh with his with his soldiers for so long, it probably he probably did a lot of like deep thinking, and he on probably honestly missed his son. And, yeah, and so like the but the I will say I will say this it was amazing um, how open he was for everyone for for everyone coming back in and then like um, it was almost like a different character yeah like, yeah it's yeah a hard switch whole yeah total hard switch especially when like uh, what was uh the name of Tila's friend I forgot her name I forgot her name too I keep calling her the black chick but it's so diminishing uh, <laughs> oh, I, I don't remember her name I. Fr- Andra, Andra. I think her name was Andra. And oh, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Woman at arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. New ma- <laughs> so when Andra came into the mix, when they got back to the camp, and um, everyone's like, <laughs> it was literally like one person after another going like, oh, I wouldn't be the- be here be here if it wasn't uh for Tila, or like, no, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for uh, for uh, on for Andra. And friggin' um, the king goes and like, Andra, what, what, how can I how can I repay you for everything that you've done? And like well i really want a family and the f- uh the first bit he fucked with her and says like late young lady this is a this is a soldier encampment i can't have i can't have civilians working here no i need you as one of my lieutenants and i'm like what the hell you just <laughs> gave promotion. this promotion you, 
just gonna just take a promotion out of fucking nowhere? It's like, what the hell did she do to earn this? Do you have a history of being with the lead people, or? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. I only I like your look. You're a captain. Like what? <laughs> I I like you. Have a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I mean, speaking of just, I guess to wrap it up because Angel's one of the last characters we haven't really touched on. Yes, her. I was surprised at how little she was in part two because she had a lot of focus in part one. Yeah, and I feel like part two was just to like finalize her character arcs. Well, no, no. Um, I was gonna say you're wrong. Freaking, um, she wasn't in part on uh, part one. She was always in part two because wait, what? She, yeah, she comes. She, well, wait. No, Andre, no, no, she's there from the beginning. She's hanging uh, out with Tila episode two. Oh, never mind. I, wow. See, that's how little you remember. <laughs> you know what it is? When you kept on tell- talking about part one and part two, I get so freaking confused because it's like literally like I saw the first episode and then I watched the next episode and I assumed that the second episode was part two, like part two of Revelations. Oh, oh no, no, I no. Keep, First five episodes. Of part yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's why in my brain I keep thinking like, no, wait, she was only in part two. So it's like, yeah, my brain's not freaking processing the whole thing. Cause yeah, I watched- part one ended with Adam being stabbed to death. Gotcha. Yeah, that yeah. that whole thing. I ran through that whole thing. So like, it's all a freaking blur. Got you. But yeah, I guess that's our review for uh, Masters of the Universe. Are you excited given the where the, the series ended for a season two? I mean... I'm not. I wouldn't mind seeing a cyberized friggin' Skeletor just to see friggin' like what that's gonna uh, look like, and then just to see like toys. <laughs> yeah, toys, more toys. <laughs> Listen, people, they don't make these shows to sell stories. They make these shows to sell toys. That is it's, the it's that is the hard pill to swallow at the end. It, of the day. it really is, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, mom. It's about the uh, the characters. <laughs> Kids don't care about characters. Kids only care about toys. That is a fact. But but again, again, what you just said, who is the show for? Clearly, in terms of maturity, it's for adults. Yes. But they want toy sales. I guess collectors will be buying toys, but it's not the same as kids buying toys. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I've seen a guy on TikTok literally like – have you ever seen the guy who like has his little action figure Skeletor sitting on a throne and like he's like – he's bringing home uh, toy toys in a bag like every single time and it's always like different He-Man <laughs> figures? No, but that sounds like something that definitely exists. Yeah, yeah. It, that, is, that is a thing on TikTok right now that I – Oh, my God. You know what we didn't go into it all though with our Hawkeye review? What? We, we touched on it. But I just like, I don't know why I'm thinking about it. I think because you just said a, a guy who buys toys. But that, that LARPing scene in Hawkeye. Was oh, my, my God. Oh, you- him him walking through in slow motion, killing everybody. <laughs> everybody's like, Dude, ah! that was That was brilliant. That was fucking brilliant. My only regret for that scene is that they didn't give him his comic book costume. I feel like that would have been a perfect, perfect, oh, perfect that's, thing. That's a good point. You're yeah, right. Yeah, that yeah. would have been a perfect spot for that it. That literally would have been the perfect point to give Hawkeye his like comic book uh, suit since it's like a LARPing thing like that would have been fucking perfect uh, for him to do that sort of thing but literally I'm looking at it and I'm like okay this is base. this is Hawkeye he can handle this he can handle a bunch of fucking LARPers with a, with a plastic sword and for you know just the way that it was executed I thought it was fucking brilliant like it's so uh, it's so funny and um, I just I, I like the way that, that they, the, the I mean again it's that. Hawkeye out of his element 
So him, the juxtaposition between Hawkeye's attitude of like, this is stupid, why am I doing this? I don't even want to be here. And everyone being so into it, they're like, ah! The little, when he has the duel with Grills, who's my favorite, in fact, I remember that guy's name, the black Grill, guy who stole his costume. Grills. Grills. He's my favorite character because that moment where uh, he's like, no, we have to have like a duel, make it look real. You gotta sell it, you gotta sell it. Yeah, you gotta sell it. He's like, I fought Thanos. Like, what am I doing here? <laughs> but that moment where they, they start dueling and the guy on the side makes the clinging noises for their swords cling, 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 cling. <laughs> I was dying <laughs> that, that made that made the second episode oh my god <laughs> that, that shit fucking cracked me up man. Cling, cling, cling. <laughs> oh my god that was that was freaking uh that was that was brilliant and I'm honest, I honestly thought that Grills wasn't gonna keep his word like I thought he was legitimately just gonna keep the fucking Hawkeye suit and um but I'm glad that uh, he 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 kept to, stuck to the deal, gave him back uh, his Ronin suit, and then he actually like gives Hawkeye like the credit that he deserved, and that's one of the things that I do yeah. like about the show is that like n- not everyone like bashes on Hawkeye, and like people actually do recognize him for the things that he's done, and it's like, yo, dude, you're a badass, you're a superhero, man, freaking like, yeah. freaking like, I lo- you know, I love that, I, I love he's that. N- he's not treated like He-Man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. But um, what was I gonna say? Oh, the. <sighs> He's us. Because that moment where he's like, hey, man, like, you're a superhero in real life. Like, this is the closest I'm going to ever get to feeling like a superhero. I was like, oh, what's here? <laughs> you're us. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. He, Hawkeye really is. Because it's like, um, out of all of the Avengers, I like, I love Thor. I love Thor more so, like, after he, like, humbled himself. Uh, after, like, uh, Ragnarok, you know. And, um... Oh, I meant grills is us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Oh. Well, no, no, no. I, well, yeah, I guess I, I I thought you were talking about Hawkeye. I thought Hawkeye was us. But yeah, Hawkeye. No, no, no. Ha- Hawkeye, grills is us. Hawkeye, Hawkeye is one of, one of my favorites for like, other, for like other reasons. He's more like down to earth and he feels more real. That's what I was trying to say. Mm, true, true. Yeah. True, true, true. But on the note of uh, fantasy, let's jump into our last review for the, the week. Let's talk about Arcane. This city was founded to be a bastion of enlightenment. We are the city of progress, and our future is bright. We were once one tribe. Now, we are houses divided. As time passes, the topsiders are leaving us further and further behind. There's never enough to go round. It can either break you or forge you into something greater. Hi. I need to speak with one of the inmates. Who are you? I have to try and find my sister. Powder? Hi? Um, and like we said before, like we basically knew nothing about League of Legends going into this. So we're both fresh. I watched the first six episodes. How many did you watch? I actually, um, I actually watched up to uh, seven. Almost, uh, I forget where I stopped on episode seven. I'm pretty sure I, I watched up to episode seven just because like I was on a roll mm. and um, I was, I got, I got more interested in the story 
after episode three. three. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Freaking, um, I told you right off the bat after I finished three episodes, I was not into this show like at all. And I yeah, didn't. Give me, give me your thoughts first. I'm curious how you feel about it. Cause I feel like you're, we're going to switch places here from the He-Man talk where I was the more aggro person. Cause you did not like the two main characters. <laughs> no, no, this, li- listen, everyone can, I'm going to get some flack for what I'm about to say, but it's like, listen, I hate it when, uh, Two female characters are written to be incompetent, and I hate it when they make very stupid decisions when it all could have been avoided. Also, I hate um, overbearing older sisters who Mm. push their ideology, who push their beliefs onto their younger sibling who is clearly dealing with a lot of emotional and mental stress and pushing them to be interesting to be something that they are not and i'm not just talking about uh vi i'm not just talking about vi and powder aka jinx in this show i'm also talking about two characters from the clone wars if you haven't watched the final season of the clone wars go i have not Go watch it. Um, Friggin' um, there are two characters in there. They're called the Martell sisters. Um, and the Martell sisters are two characters who are very much alike to Vi and um, to Vi and Powder and their relationship. All for, all the sisters, the, both these sisters, they're both come from like the slums, uh, the the underworlds of uh, their respective uh, universes, and they're both led into a life of crime. And also, they make very stupid decisions. Example, example. So, pout. So, when uh, when Vi and her crew go in to do a job at the beginning of the episode, they both go and break in into a tower that is owned by Jace, who is a student at the the Magic Academy um, of the Top Side. Yeah, just to set up for everybody that doesn't know anything about Arcane, it's, yeah, it's yeah. set in this fantasy world that it's it's very much a, a duality between uh, those who have and those who have not. So our main characters come from the slums. Meanwhile, there's a whole upper crust of society that kind of dictates the the you know the direction of the world, I guess, because they're dealing with science. Like it's a world where magic doesn't really exist anymore, but at, at some point in its past, there was a big magical chaotic rain that the world now fears and doesn't want anything to do with magic but one of the characters um <laughs> in that upper echelon of society uh is creating science-based magic essentially yes and um so the girls break into this tower that's owned by jace and he's actually a scientist who is actually working on harnessing magic um using science and the kids all break into his tower and they start looting the place for everything powder goes and finds a chest in one of the rooms that is basically unstable magical gems that explode when volatile and basically um jace comes back earlier than expected he's trying and he's about to open the door now here's something that i'm gonna say i don't like vi because vi makes (laughs) we can't just jump right yeah our our, our main talk do you want to give general thoughts before you jump into your your spoiler talk my bad my bad Um, (laughs) he's like i got feelings (laughs) i have feelings and i can't help myself because i'm a very passionate person but um but but yeah so um base but basically um 
I, I, well, I, we'll make it quick. Just give your general thoughts real fast. I'll just make it like a couple sentences for mine, and we'll write in spoilers. Okay, I like the I like the premise. I do like the premise. There's a lot of characters that I do like in the show. <laughs> Premise. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Emphasis um, on the wrong syllable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the atmos- I like the atmosphere. I like the animation of the show, and I very much there 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 are there are things that I do like about this show. It reminds the animation style reminds me a lot of um, Into the Spider Verse, and I don't. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't like a lot of animated animated stuff these days. So like, this is definitely really. Are, are, yeah, no, I I really don't like three uh, uh, D anime specifically, or just animated three D and three D animation specifically. Oh, okay. It was very. It's very hard for me to get into anything that's like animated these days. Like I'm so jaded by like Disney animated animated show animated movies and whatnot. And um, but then again, like my only exceptions are like the Clone Wars, of course. Um, okay. the, the Clone Wars, uh, Spider Man the animated series, The Bad Batch, and th- right now this show. This show, I, there are things that I do like about the show, and I like that it's a more mature uh, an- animated show. But um, there are things that I find uh, I find questionable, and I have some distaste for that I'll go into in a minute. With the plot, yes. Well, okay. Not even the plot. Um, with like the, char- the characters, the, the characters. It's the characters okay. that bother me. So, what's your your rating? Um, passable. 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 Hmm. It's a good. It's a. It's a good story. There are, um, things, there are things I don't like about it, but I'd say it's it's passable. Okay, on my end, I, I think I might just from what you've said to me about it, I feel like I probably like it a little bit more than you. Mm-hmm. Um, the first three episodes are slow. I even told you that when I got into it. I yeah. was like, it doesn't really pick up until the end of that third episode. No. Um, but when it picks up, shit gets real, real fast. Um, and going into it, I didn't even know who the like what the premise was or who the main characters were or where they're supposed to end up based on League of Legends, the game. Um and where it's going, I guess I can't say too much about where the characters are going without giving away spoilers. But the characters have—I I think it's a good example of the opposite of what I how I feel about something like He-Man, where clearly the main character, one of the main characters, Vi, is strong woman. But I think it's done in a very natural way. Everything mm. she's done makes sense for the character in the world she's in. She's got a tragic backstory that they established in the very first episode in the very beginning. And we're kind of following her coping with tragedy along with her sister throughout those first three episodes. And even after those first three episodes, they do a thing where, yeah, is she strong? Yeah. Is she, you know, an LGBT character? Sure. But they don't beat you over the head with it. Mm. They, they, It feels natural to her character where, yeah, she's strong, but there's a reason why she's strong. And they go into that in episode four, uh, or more so episode five. Um, yeah, she's LGBT character, but they don't beat you over the head with her sexuality. They don't, they don't force it to be like, oh, I like women, and I'm going to flirt with women nonstop in every scene I'm in. And you know what I'm saying? Like They do it in a way where it's like you kind of get the idea, but without it being spelled out overtly. I actually, um, I actually didn't even realize she was an LGBT character until I'm not even 100 percent sure she is, but they do allude to it a little bit in the fifth episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was gonna say, forget um between her and uh, Kate. You know, I um cause Kate is the Kate, the Kate detective police officer. Yeah, the uh, the enforcer. Yes. Okay, the enforcer. Yeah, yes. The enforcer. Yes. Yes. Um. Yeah, I'm still confused about Kate because, like, I did see her talking to like the one girl in the tent after Vi had left her. Um. But, a, but that's it, my point. Like it, 
I was talking to Crystal about this. I'm going to let her kind of extrapolate it more when she comes on the podcast to review the finale, the last three episodes next week. Mm -hmm. But she's also has an issue with what feels like, I mean, people talk about things like the gay agenda. If there is a gay agenda, it's the forced injection of sexuality and identity politics into a story that doesn't necessarily need it. And to that end, I'm going to explain by saying how Crystal describes it is... She doesn't like when people are overtly sexual, regardless of your sexuality. So she doesn't want to see a man walking around going like, yeah, I love beating up the pussy. Hey, girl. Like, you know, just over and over again, reestablishing his heterosexuality. That right. would still be annoying. And that's, that's, that, that holds true for everything. Yes. Female, male, gay, straight. But because of the way we, we have identity politics now in in our stories and writing unfortunately it feels like the pattern has always been we gotta make it on we gotta put it on front street you gotta know without a question without a shadow of a doubt that this person represents the lgbt community and that's why people feel like things are forced that's why people feel like it's like all right i get it. you're beating me with your message I'm, and now i'm eye rolling every time you reinforce that that character trait and we don't do that for heterosexuality. So I think that's the reason why people feel like these things are forced sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I think Vi is a great example of a character who isn't forced. Yeah. Because, like, I really didn't get... I, I did not get that vibe off of, off of Vi throughout the whole thing. Like, I judged her based on her character and decisions that she makes. Not for the kind of... Not for um, her sexual identity or anything like that. But like, think about it with, along with Tila. Mm. She's almost the same archetype visually. Mm. Muscular, yeah, 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 yeah. half shave hair, yeah, yeah, yeah. Colored they, hair. They got that like, haircut. They got the same yeah, freaking haircut. That's the universal. I'm a strong woman haircut. <laughs> uh, but but I'm saying that to say that this is I think an example of something that does it well, does it right. This is if if Vi needs to be used as a template moving forward for all. If she is LGBT, I think she is for all LGBTQ characters moving forward. And I don't think anybody would ever complain about a character feeling forced if you write it in a natural way. Um, but other than that, what they do with the other main character, Powder, I did not see coming. I didn't, I didn't know the story enough to know what was the uh, actual through line of the narrative for her and Vi. Um, I thought they would be, uh, you know, I can't get into it. But I thought their, their relationship was going to be different from how it, 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 it seems to be turning. Um, and yeah, even though those first rooms are a slow burn, uh, I think they're doing very good with world building. It's very subtle. Uh, it's not overbearing with them alluding to how the world's history is set up and how, like how different dynamics are played out in, in throughout the story with the enforcers or the people in the slums. Um, and there's a, there's an element of tragedy, especially after the third episode, that sticks with characters like Powder that I'm really curious to see how that develops. I can't even say what character she reminds me of without giving away spoilers, so I'm just going to give my rating. And I think if I were to rate this right now, based off the first six episodes, I, I'm i leaning toward the more than passable. Mm. Like maybe a high passable, but I'm, I think I'm at the more than passable stage right now. It could all be fucked up in those last three episodes, but for right now, between the animation being on point, the music being... Also on point, League of Legends always had great uh, trailer music, and that carries through in this. Um, and strong characters that I think, other than... I, I hear what you're saying with your complaints about uh, Vi and Powder, but especially in those first three episodes, I give them a lot of leeway because they are kids. Like, yeah. Right? Like, they're, they're, kids are going to be kids. They're going to fuck up. They're going to... 
I try to, gonna... I try to remember, yeah, I try to remember that they are children and that, you know, children do stupid things, but it's like, I'll, at the same time, I'm just looking at it and I'm like, y'all, y'all are being really fucking stupid right now. It's like, <laughs> well, why are you freaking doing this? Look, I'll take Vi's stupidity and then her father figure, I forgot his name. Van, he's Vander, Vander. Vander. He's great too. Um, yeah, I love Vander. I take, I'll take a Vi with Vander being the voice of reason and teaching her a lesson any day of the week over Tila being... Hmm. more frustrating to me and at the end not being the one to learn a lesson in fact she's the one to give lessons fuck uh, that <laughs> understand understand <laughs> yeah understandable and i was gonna say i actually had to watch the first three episodes like th- twice i watched those first three episodes twice because i got so lost with everything that was going on and like i lost hmm. track of like what was going on between the two of them so i literally had to wa- sit there and watch everything twice just under- just to get a full grasp like what was going on and so like i wasn't like coming down on, on someone when i thought it was one person person's fault another it's another hmm. so i got my story straight but now i have a general idea of like who's to blame in in those scenarios in those situations and i can like you know i can, I can say with honesty about what i have to say about the character yeah, i'm curious thing. to see if your opinion changes or stays the same um by the time we get to the end of the series yeah because do you feel like they're still after the third episode do you feel like they're still making those stupid choices or no not necessarily it's more so um it's 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 more so the standoffishness with everyone. Mm. It's like the the two of them, the two of them want to connect again like so bad, but they won't let themselves. And yeah, it's, you know, because it's like it's one thing or another. It's it's basically like light and dark, and it's like one per, one of them is pulling pulling towards one way, and the other person is pulling towards another way. And then there's also um, the perception that powder's gone and all that's left is fucking jinx like and uh, we're in spoilers by the way <laughs> oh, shit. We, that was I, for everybody else listening that now we're officially in spoilers okay okay anyways um so what was i gonna say uh, uh let me just start from from the beginning so one thing that i didn't like about vice character was like when they were breaking into the tower um i think her one friend was named uh miko miko miko's hmm. miko's a lockpick and um, he's trying to like yeah. you know he's trying to like lock pick the the lock like a professional you know and freaking like he's trying to do this quietly because this is a stealth mission and then Vi just comes in boom breaks down the fuck breaks down the fucking door you know like makes all kinds of fucking <laughs> all kinds of fucking noises and it's, and, it, and it's like literally Miko said it best like animals all of you you know freaking like but um but basically like I that was cute <laughs> you, you rash know, you, you know rash for yeah, sure yeah, yeah 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 like effective but impulsive which is yeah. one of the things that like I find as a character flaw for Vi is that she's very impulsive and um I was gonna I was gonna say literally although I do have to say um the guys weren't wrong about powder because literally like at every no. at every given point powder just like she botches she's jinx she is a legitimate jinx because like and i wanted to make sure that i was going to be right about this when i said it so uh literally everything goes well they get all of their loot but then jace comes back early and he's literally about to open the door they block off the door so now they know that freaking um something's up and then powder goes and takes all these freaking shiny gem crystals and freaking drops the one just the one that sets off an entire explosion and then an entire building gets blown up and then they're and then like literally like they all got caught the mission's botched they're all running through the streets so now so now the enforcers have 
uh, ID on them, and they know that it's like four kids who fucking busted in, blew up the building, yeah. and fucking took whatever took whatever the hell they wanted. They get away, but then that comes down on not on everyone in in in, in the in the lower city. So yeah. I I bl- the four I blame the four of them, and that's what I mean about like characters making stupid decisions that affect the entirety of the story and i feel like it all could have been fucking avoided you know I, but then there's no story <laughs> i know i know i know i know there's no fucking story but, 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 i know but, but, i know trust that, me though? i know but at the same time i can't fucking help it i'm like y'all could have freaking avoided this if you had just been fucking smart about it but no but yes also powder is a fucking jinx that's also one of the reasons it's so why. interesting though because this is I, I love that these two shows came out so close together because everything that I think is right with Arcane was done wrong in He-Man. So even that, yeah, it was a stupid decision, but the story punishes them for that decision. Yeah. It, they, the story itself knows that, that was a dumb move. And I liked it at first, with even more so with hindsight, because you don't know how the world really works in that first scene of them going in there and stealing things and escaping. So you don't even know how big of a deal it is until it's revealed how big of a deal it is when they're being when it when it tracked back to the slums and it comes down on everybody there where Vander has to be like the the really the fall guy because he's like the point of contact between the the enforcers and him or forces in the slums. So I thought it was it, it was a mistake and it was a mistake they paid for in those first three episodes considerably, especially by a third episode. Yeah. So that was like the 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 match lighting the the powdered keg. And that's we follow those events. Now, if they had done a thing in the story where they try to justify Vi doing those things, I mean, like, no, actually, she was right for doing that. And you know, what I mean, if, they, if the story was wagging the finger at us for even thinking Vi made a dumb decision, and this and other characters were like, no, Vi, you did the right thing. Then it'd be like, fuck this, fuck this. Nah, shit. Then, dude. It, then it'd be like a Tila thing. But in this. Vi herself is even like she has to constantly be like, you know, I wouldn't have you guys be part of a job that I didn't think you could handle, right? She knows she made a mistake. She knows she shouldn't have brought them on that mission in the first place. She knows that it was reckless. Vander says as much, but even she knows as much. So I thought that that was a good thing, like a, a, a good jumping off point for the story because we get to literally see the repercussions for their actions and how they pay for it. And Vi pays for it harder than anyone, I think. <laughs> now, another uh, another thing that I'm gonna gonna touch on is uh, one of the stupid stup- one of the stupid decisions that I am uh, referring to is okay. so when they're like getting back into the lower city and um, they run into that uh, that that street get that street gang and, and oh yeah and, you know freaking um they go and they get into their fight which surprisingly they actually like they were able to like hold them off but freaking um that they vi throws the thing vi goes and tosses the loot to powder i'm like you little people of all (laughs) fucking people you 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 toss it to your emotionally unstable little sister who can't fight and like you expect her to be able to defend herself and then powder goes and takes off and starts getting chased after Gets cornered and tosses the loot. Now, yeah. this is what I'm. This is what I'm gonna get into. There was a little bit less. Um, 
there were less stakes in Arcane. But I also have to go back and compare it to to uh, Clone Wars: The Final Season with the Martell sisters because uh, the Martell sisters did something very similar. The Martell sisters got into bed with uh, the Pikes, which are one of the most powerful uh, organizations in the galaxy, and they were do it. They were running spices. They were spice running, and this was the first time doing it. They hijack a ship. They have an entire cargo of spice that they have to deliver. But guess what? The sisters do because they got into trouble. They dump the whole cargo. The, they, mm. her, the little sister dumps the entire freaking cargo, and now they're in debt to the most powerful organization in the galaxy, who is under Darth Maul. Yeah, but it, but that's where I'm saying. That's where I'm saying. I don't like characters who are supposed to do things and make stupid decisions like that that are going to get them into trouble. And basically, that's kind of what happens with Vi and Powder. Uh, Powdered panics. It's her flight or fight response, and yeah. her and her only res- uh, the only thing that she can do is dump the whole thing. And it's like, well, there you go. That 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 was your entire fucking haul, and you lost it. Good, yeah. jo- good job. But see, know? the way I'm seeing it is, from a storytelling perspective, these are all, like, notches in her characterization. So she fucked up with the explosion already, but if they had escaped with the, the loot, the other people in their crew would still, at so- on some level, be like, at least it was a su- successful uh, robbery. But now, they did a breaking and entering, and even the loot that they had gets lost by 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 powder so now everybody's looking at her like you really are a fuck up and that is like the first step toward uh vi defending her and then that conversation where uh powder overhears her what she thinks is her talking shit about powder but it's really vi defending her but yeah. all of these are just like slowly putting up the pressure or, or turning up the flame underneath them of the slow simmering of what's eventually going to happen in that third episode <laughs> Because it's just now she's a fuck up on every level. She's a fuck up with the, the 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 mission going awry in the first place, and she's such a fuck up that they couldn't even keep the loot they did escape with because she keeps fucking up. Yeah, yeah. So, but I liked it. It was like the more you feel like, wow, you're a fuck up. That's the point of her character. You're like, yeah. <laughs> she's called Jinx. Yeah. So, because <laughs> that's how that's the, that is how I felt about it initially. Because like straight up, it's like when when Vander okay. okay, so when Vander got kidnapped. Yeah. And they went to go bust him out. It, everything was going so fucking well. Oh, that's what I was going to say next. Everything yeah. was going so fucking well. Freaking, uh, their one big friend freaking was able to like break him a hole, break, break, big, make a big hole in the wall yeah. so they so they could get out. Freaking, uh, Mika was able to lockpick, uh, Vander out of everything. Everything yep. was going so well. And, and like, the, the way they set it up, masterful. Because th- here's my thing my assumption. After that first episode is like, okay, Vi's the... I mean, uh, I thought that fucking uh, Powder was the main character. And we were going to see her arc of like, okay, she's fucking up right now. They have like the Chekhov's gun of she keeps trying to set up these little bomb toys that never work. So it's like, okay, so what's going to happen is in a, in a crux moment when all the chips are down, even though Vi told Powder not to come, Powder's going to show up anyway at the, the crucial zero hour and save everybody in a pinch. And she kisses her little toy like, I need you to work. This is the time I need you to work, please. So you're, I'm so invested in like, yeah, she's a fuck up, but this is the time it's all going to work out. And they, they, they masterfully set up that scene where they show you that before Powder gets involved... All the chips had fallen in such a way that they could have escaped. Like yes. you said, the door, like the the, yeah, the wall had been broken open. Literally, Vander had been let free. <laughs> Vi was keeping the zombie monster at bay with the the locked door. 
if Powder did not show up at all, they would have escaped and it would be a completely different story. Literally. But, be, but Literally. yet what happens? She, she tries to get involved, tries to save them, best best intentions, but ends up literally killing everyone. Yeah. <laughs> everyone. Yeah, basically. And, um, to me, that was a great twist. I did not see that coming. No, not at all. And that's one of the reasons why I was like so frustrated with uh, with Powder in the beginning. Not only that, but freaking like, I know she's a kid, but she's really fucking whiny to the point where like, it's uncomfortable and she, you see her like ugly crying and having a fucking fit you know they do a good job with the crying in it it looks real like when people are oh, yeah. in pain yeah the animation that they do on people's faces looks great like yeah. there's never a moment even in this that i'm like oh this is this isn't live action you know I mean? it's it's that close in terms of like how the bodies move and the expressions work that i'm not thinking like oh this is 3d animated you know what i'm saying like something even like star wars when I look at the animation that I very clearly know this is 3D animated, yeah. but this is like, it's very nuanced. I'm not even thinking that. No, def- definitely. And like, I'm not saying that like, uh, that I didn't believe Powder, like when she was like, when she was ugly crying and freaking like, she was really upset that like she got left behind. But at the same time, it's like, dude, it was for your own good. Like freaking mm-hmm. like, you're too much of a... You're too she's much. A kid. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> she doesn't realize how much of a liability she is. And it's like, she also, she's dealing with her PTSD and she's dealing with her emotional yeah. distress. And she also has separation anxiety from not being with her sister. And she's so used to like being around her sister, which is one of the things that I understand now that she's struggling with. See, I, I didn't even pick that up, the separation anxiety part of it, but that makes a lot of sense why yeah. it was so hard for her to not be included. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's what I took uh, from that, you know, because um, her sister's the only family that she has, and, like, she's the only person that she's ever known. Like, knowing that from the at the beginning of the intro of episode one, literally, yeah. they've been together for, for forever. And, um, yeah, like, but that's the thing is, like, I know she's young and she clearly doesn't know how to uh, stabilize her emotions and like, you know, deal with with her trauma. And mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, it literally, literally, she got so selfish and she thought that she could go and help all of them that it literally cost them everything, cost them, mm-hmm. her fr- cost them her friends, their father figure, and ultimately her relationship with her sister, even though it was like out of uh, wise power. But I'm going to go backtrack real quick and... Okay. And I am going to say, I don't like how Vi, how Vi and the boys push their expectations and their ideologies onto Powder, expecting her to be just like her fucking sister. And Miko mm-hmm. said that too. It's like, yo, dude, like you were like, you were like twice the freaking, uh, twice the freaking hustler at, at, at when you were her age. And it's like, yeah, I know, you know, but freaking, um, and it's like, I don't like that. I, it's like powder doesn't deserve that you know she doesn't deserve to have mm. all this shit brought down on her just because just because of who who her sister is because that's toxic to me that's freaking yeah. toxic that's a toxic ideology and it's the same thing with the martell sisters because freaking um the eldest the eldest one uh she got into cr- into uh criminal activities and then she pushed that on her sister and it was the exact same dynamic i don't like that kind of thing i don't like it when there is a toxic older sibling who pushes their ideologies and pushes their expectations onto their younger sibling and that affects them in very negative ways just like we see with powder powder can't do the things that vi can do powder can't do the things that most of those guys uh can yeah. do and it's like you see that powder even though she gets like shit on she has her own strengths like clearly 
clearly she's a good fucking shot with a with a gun because you can even yeah. when like uh the one in the time arc- skip yeah 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 in the in the arcade scene freaking when uh, Miko's talking all this shit and then she goes and like she like blasts all of the whole all of the holes in their uh, in their shoot in their shooting range you know yeah. and eventually that translates and then she turns out she's actually really good with a gun you but know that's why i felt like vi did have the confidence she had in her and everything you just said i feel like i, I chalked it all up to just their kids and kids are toxic kids are yeah. are mean like that and do comparisons like that they're not really thinking like oh but her mental health like they don't give a fuck like <laughs> no that's that you know what that is true i guess but i then, don't know i see it from yeah, i then, guess yeah i'm seeing it from an adult's perspective i'm not seeing it from a kid's perspective yeah and i think you know when you have kids characters like that it's you know they it, the shorthand is mm. you know they Kids are fucked up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not thinking like, you know, adults and even they'll, they'll even say things they don't mean in the moment. Even adults do that. But that moment even when, uh, which was heartbreaking, uh, when Powder, after the explosion happens, everybody dies and I had to witness everybody die, including her father figure who's now a mutant zombie and Powder shows up like, I did it. Did you see? I did it. I did it. It was like, Oh, I hate you baby, so much. Baby, I was vile. I was like, bitch. No, 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 no. Get no, away no, from no, me. No. You are a fuck up. And you that, are a fuck that, up. That yeah. stuck with her. And it, that, it was bad. It was what I was going to say before was it, um, uh, she reminds me of uh, Powder as an adult, as Jinx. She's got such a Harley Quinn vibe. Yes. And you could, yes, yeah, definitely, and, definitely. And it's like you could see that mental break happening. Yeah. Even before, like in the even in the flashbacks where you saw their origin and like the 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 attempt to for the the people in the slums to revolt against the people in power or whatever. Yeah. And her her parents died. You could see even then I, when I rewatched the the intro because I also just wanted to make sure that the things I saw in that first episode I actually saw. But there's even then there's those, those weird flashes of what we know later episode four plus that those weird flashes are like her psychosis breaking. Like, and that's a very Harley Quinn type of thing where she's seeing things and hearing things. And later at post episode four, she's literally talking to the ghosts of her dead friends and shit. Yeah. Like it's fucking crazy. Like, and knowing what a sweet little girl she could have been if life just didn't go that way. It's heartbreaking. And it's like, I'm still, episode six, I'm like, I guess they're both the main characters. Like this duality of like, we we watch them both kind of grow up and then grow apart and it's, see it, how they it's parallels. come back together. It's parallels of seeing uh, these two characters who grew up together uh, basically break off. One turns to the dark side and then one is, you know, well... I wouldn't say Vi is like the light side, but freaking she's got her own set of definitely issues. the good guy in the equation. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, the, the non psychopath, the, <laughs> the, the anti-hero, very much the anti-hero of um of the, of the story. It's another thing too is like Vi is like she's so standoffish with people, and it's always like my way, the highway kind of thing, and it's like it 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 costs it costs her a lot eventually. You know, it's like she's a leader. Clearly, she's a leader, but she doesn't know how to be one yet. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe that's the like that's the point of the story. And by the end, she will come into her own fully. Because right now, where I'm at in the story, you know, she just got out of prison, and she is very much like an anti-hero type. But even the fights that she had without any weapons, fighting um, I forgot what her name is, the the chick with the robot arm. Oh, you know I don't what? Her name, I don't. But, I, you know what? I didn't get her name either. I just know that. But that was a great fight. Like I, yeah, it, yeah. it's that's one of the type like those things where I'm like, I believe. She could throw hands like that. Yeah. They did a good job, like even with her her being in prison for years, 
just that alone. I'm like, yeah, if she had nothing to do but think about revenge and, and punching shit, she would be a beast when it comes to hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. And then we've already seen that she was good at that even as a kid. And that awesome sequence where she was wearing Vander's gauntlets and was rocking the fuck out of all the bad guys on that bridge. That was that was that was pretty dope, you know. Question but, though. Question. Yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh the villain who I I kinda like that we see two sides of the villain where we see before the time skip how he's got this weird again, duality, he's got this relationship with Vander, and it's like dark side, light side. Yes. Um but he also has his own story and the reason why he's doing things, he thinks he's a good guy in his own mind. Uh, and then he takes Jinx under his wing and talking about the Star Wars analogy, it's a very Emperor Palpatine to Darth Maul type of relationship. Yes. So, uh, or Vader. Vader. Yeah. Silco. Uh, Silco. I very much, I, I like Silco. I find myself like, I like Silco. Um, I like I like the, his dialogue and friggin' um I find myself like uh if, when I find a character that I like and like I like the way that they talk I like mm. I, I kind of have a tendency to like shadow them and friggin' yeah. it it actually it's one of the re- ways that things that helps me with voice acting is when I listen to characters like that I was so, gonna ask but yeah, that's, yeah that makes sense yeah I very much like so I very much like Silco um as a villain and then at the same time you know he uh, he adopts uh powder and turns her turns her in the jinx so honestly i i can't say i can't say that i hate overbearing siblings who push their things onto their uh their younger siblings without saying like people who push their uh their ideology onto their children so i can't well, say he, well he yeah my, my question for you was like it, it basically he groomed her like yeah. he groomed her from a long, young age he kind of like follow in his ideological footsteps yes but and he kind of uses her as like a right hand man enforcer type relationship um but it and i also like the fact that by just they having them having a relationship you see his softer side which is yeah. why i say it's like more of an anti-villain anti-hero type of thing definitely but my question is Talk about being uncomfortable earlier. Mm. <laughs> what? 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 What's going on? Are they father daughter? Or there are moments where he get real close, and I'm like, this is kind of sexual. Is this? Must I be seeing this? Or <laughs> what's happening? Um, oh my god! I would hope not. Uh, I would. But you know, what I'm ta- you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, like, yes, yes. I know. Exactly there's a lot of lingering camera moments where they get real close, like face yeah. to face, like this. I'm like. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know. And that's like, it's too fucking close for comfort because it's like Powder, Powder's a baby. Powder's a fucking child, you know. Even mentally, she's still a fucking child. Um, oh, yeah, she's definitely got stunted after yeah. after what happened. So, But Silco, I feel like he's very much like grooming, grooming her and like he'd probably fucking, I wouldn't be surprised like when she came of age, like he'd do some shit. I wouldn't be surprised. He, I feel like Silco's like gr- uh, leaning towards that kind of, of a villain but that's at, extra gross yeah if they, if they do go that route and they do allude to that but like, not allude to it but if they actually like overtly show that's what the case is i'll be like oh okay that's that's yeah that's, that's a, a choice no. <laughs> that's a choice that's a, that's a bit that's a bit much yeah that's a, that's a bit much but at the same time i like, don't... It didn't need it either like i it would be better for me if they were just father daughter because it's more yeah. of like a fuck you to vander where that's... it's like now i'm her father and that's the perception of even with uh with one with uh the one uh henchwoman friggin' she says like oh yeah he's uh she's uh she's like a daughter to him you know yeah so she says that yeah so I'm just gonna assume the best uh, and, <laughs> the and non creepy version yeah 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 that's the narrative that I'm gonna stick to and say that Silco does care about uh Jinx because he sees 
parts of himself in her and that's why uh he takes her in and he you know nurtures her Mm -hmm. um but at the same time she knows that she's a liability he knows that she's crazy and that she and that no no um i can i can imagine that silko probably like I, I don't think he could just on just for her mental instability. I I think it's more of a Joker and Harley Quinn relationship where, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, well, like, but when you say that, it's like they did they did have a sexual relationship. <laughs> well, not well. Okay, that's 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 debatable. That's debatable. It's, debatable. Hang Joker on, Harley Quinn. hang on. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me the fuck out. Listen. Do you remember the one scene where fucking um Harley comes out of the pie? And freaking, um, she was like, what's some of my pie pudding? And she's like, yeah, now, very and, sexual, <laughs> but turns her down overall, you know, um, <laughs> still creepy. <laughs> uh, like if, know. if that's, if you're, if you're equate, if your metaphor is, or simile is yeah. that that's the same relationship that Jinx and what's his name? Silco. Silco. Yeah. What Silco, Silco have? Yeah. I still grow. If if if, mm. if Jinx is coming on to Silco, still ill. <laughs> oh, even, God. If he doesn't, even if he doesn't want it. It's still hard. ill. You know what? The lines are very blurred right now and I don't know how to feel. <laughs> oh, you've got blurred vision. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but and no. Anyways, I don't think Silco like has a sexual attraction to Jinx. I think like they're just like they're very they're very comfortable uh mm. with each other and clearly Jinx has an emotional attachment to Silco because she well he took 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 her up when her fucking sister left and she and like I said Jinx is very emotionally unstable so it's like yeah. she, she she attaches onto uh onto, onto people which I can understand. Yeah, I'm curious to see where that relationship goes between her and Vi, because right now, where I'm at in episode six, the the relationship hasn't gone full antagonistic yet. In fact, like you kind of mentioned earlier, they they clearly still care about each other. Um, But I'm waiting for that relationship to completely turn sour, especially when Silco is behind Jinx pulling the strings. Like, just so far, it hasn't become contentious because Vi's goals haven't super or haven't uh uh been in the way of jinxes right now they're still in like the i can't believe you're still alive phase but i'm waiting for that other shoe to drop and it to be a full-on i mean fuck it's not spoilers i've seen it in the intro in the intro sequence every time the episode starts it shows like a statue of vi shooting at or or punching at a statue of jinx who's shooting at her so obviously there's gonna be they're gonna come to blows at some point the question is when and why yes and um, there's very much like a yin yang dynamic with the two of them, even like yeah. even like with their ha- with their uh, their hair colors, you know. <laughs> forget um. So I've, uh, I'm I'm very much sensing a, a, a fight going on between the two of them very soon. Now here's one char- here's one thing that I'm going to uh, mention. Do you remember the the one character that they were friends with, um, the one that didn't die, the little kid who uh, worked for um, the pawn shop guy, the black kid. Yes. The white-haired Cisco? Yeah, I don't, yeah what yeah, happened? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen him yet in the time skip, so I don't know what happened to him. Okay, then I'm not going to say anything. Oh, okay, yeah, don't tell me spoilers. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to say a damn thing. I'm not going to say a damn thing. Uh, okay. You will. I think you might like what happens, though. Oh, cool. I'm more excited to finish the series then, because I've got three episodes left, and 
Next week, we'll talk about the finale and just do a wrap-up review of our, our thoughts about the entire series from start to finish. And Crystal will hopefully be on, so she'll add if like her, her, her two cents. And talking about their hair colors, I just wanted to throw out real quick before we, before we uh, wrap this episode up. Uh, we should know that from doing uh, The Last in Jetty, that if there's a blue character, a red character must fight them. <laughs> it's yeah, just the way yeah, it has yeah. to be. Red versus blue is just a thing for whatever reason. It really <laughs> is. It, it really <laughs> is. I'm very much looking forward to that. You know, one thing we didn't actually get to talk about, though, with uh, Arcane is um, the opposite side of the slums. Um, we didn't. We haven't talked about uh, Jace or uh, any, anyone, uh, anyone yeah, on the council, anyone on the council, or anything like that. I was gonna say that's was, very Star Wars. Yeah, definitely. It's very, very political. Very, very poli- political. And uh, Jace from like from uh, the first three episodes, he was like groomed into this like new life for himself. And it's like he turned. He turned. I was very much more compelled with like Jace's. Huh. Jace story good point yeah 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 and <laughs> the, like, the the i forgot the black woman's name at the head of the council but uh, she definitely yeah. groomed him from the door a lot of grooming yeah, going yeah, on yeah. in the show holy yeah, shit yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> i forgot i i forgot her name too freaking they're not good with names uh with the show so like, i'm just not good at remembering names yeah, That's yeah, my yeah. Problem. <laughs> it's, it's too easy to 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 forget but um i i i, I like the way that uh it, it's that things are going and like it's um it's it's not so much uh, black and white with the council. It's like it's see, like I can't tell if like what they're doing is for the betterment of man or the betterment for themselves. You know, because first they're talking talking politics and like um, you know, like w- everyone's trying to block out magic. Everyone's trying to like demon demon demonize magic uh, in the first couple of episodes, especially um, Heinkenberg. I think his name is Heikenberg, the little uh, the, the uh, furry furry Yoda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Furry. <laughs> mustache, mustache Yoda, freaking um. He basically is, you know, because he's a, he's a little man. He's lived for over three hundred fucking years. And, he's like, exactly Yoda. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Except for the mustache. Yes. Except for the mustache. Um, furry. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, and like he's he seems to be the only voice of reason when it comes to like everyone tinkering with magic because it's like all these people think that they can harness magic with technology and able to turn it into some kind of source of good for the world. But then he seems to be the only person who actually like is in realization of like what's going on and forget. Cause he's he, seen it. Like he's, he's yeah. old enough to have seen when magic was destroying the world. So yeah. he's, he's the only one that's like, uh, danger <laughs> literally. And like, I feel like he's been like one of the biggest supporters of Jace for him, like coming up, coming up, uh, into his career and doing a complete 180 from being uh being suspended from the academy and like being able to go back into his research and then actually finding out like okay i get it you guys are able to do this you were able to do it it's astonishing but but then there's the matter of should you have done it should he's the only one who quest who questions everything yeah, and then Jace betrays him because of the power of pussy. <laughs> yeah, that's literally what happened. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Man, like straight, straight up, I feel like his woman is gonna like betray him eventually. Like, oh yeah, she's yeah. definitely, definitely evil, or yeah. definitely has some kind of nefarious ulterior. She motive. She has some kind of ulterior motive. I, I feel that very much because it's like, yeah, why would you groom this one boy to freaking become like the most powerful man in the universe if you didn't have some kind of uh, backdoor agenda? So yeah. now, yeah, purposely literally. pushed out for Yoda. That was the literally. that seemed to be her whole plan from where I'm at in the the season so far. Mm. 
she she literally used her sexual wiles or her, her female sexuality to seduce that kid into turning against for a Yoda. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. happened. So it's like the dominoes are falling. I'm just curious to see where they fall, like where it's all going. Yeah. And like at the same time, I I understand because it's like you live for 300 years. It's like, when the fuck do you retire? You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I understand why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand I understand why, too, but it was still fucked up the way that it happened, because, like, straight up, this man is the only thing that's, like, being reasonable. He's the only He's like, thing- do y'all realize that I'm the only one that's seen this magic destroy everything? Yeah, <laughs> basically. Bas- basically. But, um... Yeah. Wisdom of Elders, what's that? Fuck that. <laughs> oh, God. It's also, it's also crazy that freaking, um... Here's another thing, too, with fucking power play. Like, how you we were talking about with, uh... Andra got herself to be a lieutenant in freaking, mm. uh... In, uh, the King's, the king's Army. Yeah. Chase freaking gets himself, uh... A counselor's position on, on, the, on the council when he came up from nothing. His family... Yeah. His family were literally, like, um... Were blacksmiths who hammered the freaking uh, the construction of the entire city and then this and then this boy gets himself uh come up comes up from nothing and gets himself a seat on the fucking council and has become one of the most influential men in the in, in the entire city it's 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 in, in the entire world it's insane it's insane like how much de- development he gets you know it's the power of being a protagonist mm. <laughs> obviously yeah. 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 <laughs> the plies on your side uh, yeah. but yeah so i'm curious to see what we think about the finale of this because right now we're we're about the same but i think i like it a little bit more than you do um but we'll uh, see where it lands in the end i mean i mean like i said i didn't like the first three episodes but this show kind of is like slowly like winning me over just for like mm. the, per- the premise and like freaking the, the tone that it's set in the characters and i do like more mature and animations so i don't yeah. nec- i don't necessarily hate this show i just had some i just had some criticisms to say about the two main characters at the beginning of their arc yeah okay all fair but I guess that's it for this episode of Blurred Vision, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home, like Monday, they're on sale. So for anybody that wants uh, those tickets, I would say jump on it now because apparently they're selling faster than Avengers Endgame or Infinity War tickets, which is fucking crazy. <laughs> and we will be talking about it on the podcast, so get your tickets ASAP! Buy your uh, tickets today! Today, today! <laughs> uh, I guess that's it, though. Is there anything else you want to add up on before we get out of here uh one last plug for the merch store um guys yeah. guys if you like bullet club if you like wrestling if you like power rangers unworthy please go check out the unworthy merch store over on threadless unworthy you merch, know uh, even if you don't like any of those things help us <laughs> oh, please 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 go and and support our merch store we don't just have t-shirts we got hood we got uh hoodies we have kids apparel we have women's apparel and we also have our our posters um our posters for episodes I believe episode one, and one episode, and four, one and four out right now on the Unworthy Merch Store app. So please go check us out. Uh, find something you like. It is Cyber Monday, so please go check us out and buy something something that you like. And we're gonna have more stuff upcoming for December for the holidays. Yeah, wave two of those Unworthy shirts plus other things. Oh yeah. But that's been this week's episode of Blurred Vision. I've been your host Jordan with, and I'm Jeffrey Rays, and we will see you next week. Peace later. Peace.